The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Oh, hello, Bridget. Hello. We're going to save the world. We're, yeah, that's what right I now. Say. I'm sorry for being late for the most California reason ever. <laughs> I, I really, I thought I was meditating for 20 minutes and I was 45 minutes in. I was like, what happened? Last time we talked, you hadn't even started meditating yet. So tell me about this journey. Well, I, I would do it occasionally. But yeah, but you weren't really Most of the time it. I was getting in the tank, which uh-huh. is kind of like meditating. Uh-huh. But, you know, the, the tank is its own thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing, I, I, I had this guy James Nestor on. He's the author of Breathe. Breath, breathe, breath, 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 breath. The book is breath. I always forget which one has the E at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I really got into breathing exercises uh-huh. afterwards. And so, I mean, I'm calling it meditating, but I'm really doing both. I'm meditating and doing, while I'm doing these breathing exercises, I'm just concentrating on breath. It is, Trippy. The, it is the best fucking stress yeah. reliever. It just, ooh, yeah. it all goes away. I've taught yoga and I always said if you could if you had to choose like all all the different parts of that practice if I had to tell somebody just to do one it would be the breathing ex- exercises are the best. Yeah, there's something about it too that like you don't realize how shallow your breath is most of the yeah. day until you sit down you do these big I do 6 in 6 out mm-hmm. so 6 seconds in big Mhm. And then and I, I did it for 45 minutes today, just in and out. And by the end, my, 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 my skin is tingling. Yeah. I'm like, I feel high. Yeah. It's wild. I know. That's why I love that I was mentioning last time I was on Sam Harris's meditations because they have you reflecting on your own consciousness. Mm. It's like notice, you know, pay attention to where you're paying attention or what it, it, it's so trippy. And I'll get in my head and next thing I know, I'm like, this is like, Taking acid. I love Sam Harris. He's I love him terrified so of the much. COVID though. Terrified. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not doing anything live. Really? Oh, he's not. Oh, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's the one who had me so scared. I feel like in the I'm like, come out and play, Sam. <laughs> but he knew somebody though that got it early in yeah. Italy and got really sick. Yeah. But then upon questioning, um, I was asking him a bunch of things. Like the guy was drinking, like the guy was partying, and then he, he was skiing and then he caught COVID. So uh, the people that I know that have got it and got it bad were all compromised. Yeah. They, were, they were all beaten down, worn out, and then it got them. That's where it gets scary. Or you don't know. We had a friend whose um, boyfriend's brother died of it, and he got it. But he was sick for two weeks, and his wife was like, please go. And he didn't because mm. he's a dude. And, yeah. yep. and then he went and um, found out that he had like diabetes or something. He didn't even know he had it. Mm. And so he was compromised and it was really tragic and sad. Well, but, a nurse was telling us she was, how harsh is she? Yeah, she's hardcore. Harsh. <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I, like, like she's seen, I like it though. She's seen it. She's great. I love her. But anyway, when she's uh, doing the test, she's telling us about all these kids that vape. That are dying. Oh, yeah. I've been yeah. hearing this. Fucking getting pneumonia and dying from vaping. Here's a fun story. I was talking to my physical therapist, and he is married to an Italian woman. So they were hearing all the stories from Italy, and then all the whole thing about like hydrochloric hydrochloroquine came out. And Hydroxy. The hydroxychloroquine, however, however the yeah. hell you say it. Um, and he he had been hearing from the people in Italy that this was kind of working with like some, and it was helping. So after Trump said it was helping, he was 
trying to get some on the west side and he's like all these motherfuckers who are talking shit about it you couldn't get it anywhere on the west side of la every rich person in la went out and bought it and then was like oh this we shouldn't be listening to this he's like but you couldn't get it anywhere well my doctor told me that people are not taking it because they hate trump oh wow he like shab got it they asked shab what your political leanings are and he's like what and he's like, well, hydroxychloroquine has been proven to be very effective in the early Especially stages of the early, virus. Yeah. He goes, fucking give it to me. What are you talking about? <laughs> but imagine if you're like, fuck Trump. I'm going to die. Literally. I'm going to die on this hill. You're fuck Trump. People have lost their minds. Lost their minds. It's, it's a, I saw a tweet yesterday and was like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm like, what are you, this whole idea of everybody being like, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, you're sitting on your fucking ass. You're watching Netflix. You're on your couch. You're waiting for Postmates. Like, what are you <laughs> fucking tired from? You're exhausted from tweeting? You know, like, it's so hard educating all these people, all these fascists online all day. <laughs> what are you fucking exhausted from? <laughs> I don't understand. Educating fascists. Everybody who disagrees with you is a fascist. Every, everyone. That's just how it is. Everyone. And it's. I, I was talking to Colin Quinn for my podcast, and we were talking about this. I was like, do you not get shit for, like, He's like, I feel like we're kind of in the same place. And I was, I was like, don't you get shit for being like both sides? And he was like, isn't that insane, though? Like that the people who are like trying to see things reasonably are the <laughs> ones who are like getting attacked. He's like, no, the middle used to be the people looking at the zealots being like, you're fucking crazy. And now they're looking at us and they're like, you guys need to be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> the middle needs to be stopped. All of this reason needs to be stopped. Well, because you make them confront their own biases. Yeah. That's yeah. what the problem is. When you're, if you're a reasonable person, especially, especially if you're someone like you or I who has a platform and you're reasonable, and there's a lot of people listening, and then people are like, wow, she's, she's actually got some good points. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she's a fascist. Look, I'm no Alyssa Milano. I don't have a platform like you guys, <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, it's a real shame that her platform is a third of mine. <laughs> That's like a really. I'm really delusional. You, I want to. This is the two plus two equals five <laughs> math. <laughs> yeah, that math is. Uh, that's like Hollywood math when they tell yeah. you a movie didn't make any money. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Listen, it's, hooker. it's really wild <clears throat> watching the hatred that people who are. Um. Even so, the other day I saw. I, I'll say something like. I've heard because I put out an article and it was like. Uh, um. Why I don't? Why I'm not voting for the president? I'm like fuck this, I'm out. Um, and I got all these emails, like 900 emails in two days from people who are conservative voting for Biden, from people who are Democrats. And I'm saying, I'm like, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that they've never voted for Trump or considered it, and they're going to. And they're like, that's propaganda. I was like, Pro so anything you don't want to hear is propaganda. Like, I'm just reporting what I'm hearing anecdotally exactly. from people, and you're telling me it's propaganda. Which it's, is it's really the opposite of propaganda. Because no! <laughs> the problem is the, the media overwhelming is liberal right overwhelmingly like there's fox news and what's that aon what is oh, that? Oh, the QAnon network, whatever. whatever it is. There's, there's one, there's one crazy network one that's American like network. full, yeah, full yeah. right on the edge of the cliff They're with right a fucking there. eagle tattoo in their back. <laughs> and then you have everything else. 
I mean, yeah. everything else is liberal, whether it's whether they pretend to be or not. They they lean liberal, whether it's NBC, CBS, yeah, MSNBC, of course, CNN. CNN is CNN's atrocious. This is what they, they're so bad. They're they used so... to be my favorite source of news, and now I I see. When when you see Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo talking about white people and 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 how like white people have every advantage, like why don't you have an education? Why don't you have a loan? Yeah. Like and and Chris Cuomo's just standing there like letting Don Lemon say this. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? They're parodies. You guys, have you ever been to Appalachia? No, they haven't. Do, do, you, do you know about really poor white people? No, they're they're there. There's poor white people all over the world. I tweeted something it's about so crazy. They were like, Don Lemon's calling out celebrities, and I am here for it. And I was like, Don Lemon is the arsonist standing in. <laughs> house asking for everyone else to put out the fire like what this guy has been so divisive he's so what are you even talking about all generalizations all of them (laughs) do nobody any good no but they're fun but i just made one i know but they're so fun they are very fun i mean we're we're comics yeah we we live in the world of generalizations i said this waitressing stereotypes don't exist in a void like as a waitress it was 10 percent waitressing 90 percent trying not to profile people (laughs) 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 that was the hardest part of my Anti-bias training. <laughs> it's just like, all right, these white ladies aren't going to be a pain in the ass. These white ladies, ah, fuck! Yeah, but They're the a fact, pain in the ass. But the fact that you could say that on CNN, you could say something ridiculously biased and in a, a gross generalization on CNN, as long as you're saying it about the right people. <laughs> yeah. Whether you're you're mocking all Trump supporters and being dumb. Do you remember when he did that? Yeah. And then there was this whole thing where they like said, "I was not mocking them." I, I heard when they a made joke like the redneck voice. Yeah. But yeah. It was, he was like fake laughing. Yeah. It was like, it was so not funny. <laughs> it was like, what is this? It was like when you go to one of those alt rooms and and, and, and someone's laughing at some shit that you know nobody thinks is really funny. Like, what is happening yeah, here? Yeah. What is this weird voodoo in the air that's forcing people to comply? I think wh- one of the things that really was surprising to me that I'm hearing from a lot of people and in my next column, I kind of talk about this is like the the mainstream media inadvertently red pilled a huge sector of America during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, because they were like, lock up. This is for the best. Shut your business down. Don't bring your kids to school. Miss funerals, miss weddings, miss graduations, miss sports, miss comedy, miss everything. Miss trick or treating. Did you see that yeah, shit in LA? And then they were like, "Oh, but protests are okay." And everyone in you know how many people protested? Like what percentage was it? Like one point oh one percent? Enough to spread the virus. Enough. <laughs> Good solid number. How about de Blasio? He said the only protests you could do are Black Lives Matter protests. Like, hey, motherfucker, this is America. Yeah. You can't do that. No. You can't say. De Blasio's a parody, though. He, he is. How is he even real? He can't be real. <laughs> he can't be. He's a South Park mayor. We are living in a South Park. <laughs> we are. It's And so, yeah, I keep hearing this from people that that was, you know, I don't even think it was a protest because I think most people are actually on board, especially around George Floyd. Everyone was pretty united. Like, this is horrific. Yes. We need to address this. Police brutality is a problem. Someone should have stepped up, though. Some mayor should have stepped up and said, I am with you, but we are going to have a real problem with health if we just all gather in a street like this. And it's not even in the street. It's the making posters beforehand at your buddy's house, you know, and like getting together afterwards and having drinks. Everybody was still getting together in apartments and houses before and after these protests. And 
it's interesting. It, it, it's just that the thing I keep hearing is not even it's not even the protests. It's the rioting. And when you're set, standing in front of a burning building and you're saying these are mostly peaceful people fucking have eyes. Right. Like you are lying to their face. And I just think they overplayed their hand. They. I think you're right. That CNN piece that said how the, the riots are being misconstrued by right wing media. <laughs> While they're most mostly peaceful rides, right. and they made that with a photo of a building on fire. <laughs> it is so, it is so crazy how yeah. gaslighty that is. It's not That's the biggest gaslighting event of our time. It's actually just demanding that you swallow the lie. It's yes. even worse than gaslighting. It's just demanding you comply with yes. the the lie that they're presenting. Now we get this on the right too yes where it's like i you'll directly contradict something that is clearly on video that you said climate change yeah climate change is the the biggest one on the right where they're they just full-on try to deny climate change and it's a part of the narrative of the ideology of the right there's a lot of people that just deny the narrative of climate change there are young republicans who are changing this though and you should have some of them on because they're young. Give me some names. I will. There are some young kids who are really pushing back against. They don't like that. They believe that we should conserve our parks, that we should conserve, that it's important. And they hate that it's become this kind of partisan thing and that it's now Republicans are anti-climate is this messaging. And so there, there are some young people in that space. They just don't have a big enough voice really yet but they're they're out there and they're pushing back against that and they have some really cool things that are going going on well that's good because there does need to be some pushback the problem with the narrative on the right is that they're so pro-business that they're willing to sacrifice some environmental standards mm -hmm. and people see the repercussions of that they're, right they're, they're like hey listen i understand that you want people to be able to work and you want people to make a living and you want to raise a standard and trickle down economics and all that shit but you, you can't you, you can't sacrifice the fucking environment right like that should be a no-brainer first do no harm right? right like a doctor first do no harm and that you're doing harm like you can't make money while you're polluting like right. that's that's not good for anybody's future yeah they're seeing this in in areas where the, you know i think it was reading like the louisiana belt there's like tons of instances of more covid mortality and like like chemical alley where all those fucking chemical plants mm. are and that's the kind of untold cost and cause and effect that we need to pay more attention to. And, and this is why I hate when these things like the climate shouldn't be it. We should be able to have a conversation about this. And I think with the right wing, it's it's more that it's a, used as a cudgel to just silence everybody. And you're supposed to just get on board. And there's so many things that are a lot of them will agree that there we might be having some effect on it. But what is the best way to to try and make those changes. So that nuanced conversation is what needs to happen and everything is just partisan. Yeah. Everything, even the mask thing. <clears throat> like all, all of it. And yeah. you want to be able to come from a place of facts. It's the same with you know police brutality, all of these things. If we can start with what the actual facts are, that would be awesome and productive, but we don't. We don't start there. We start with like. Well, the police brutality thing. All you get is videos of horrific actions. You know, I saw a right. video. There's a really terrible video that's going around right now that people are using as evidence that cops are racist because they didn't shoot this white guy who wound up shooting and killing a cop in Oklahoma. Did you see it? Oh, I haven't seen it. I've been it's blissfully a, uh, offline. Every time I drink coffee with cream, I say, I'm not going to do that again because I do it on the podcast and then I get phlegm and I have to... <coughs> uh, that's all right. It makes you human, Jeff. 
It's not mm. for people listening. Like, it's <laughs> annoying, bro. But it's it's a bad video. Um, they pull this guy over. They mace him. Um, they, they 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 hit him with the pepper spray. They tase him. They do everything, and he's just drugged up or a psycho. Yeah. Who knows? And they get into some sort of a wrestling exchange, and he gets the cop's gun and unloads into Whoa. this guy's body. And you hear the cop you from the cop's body camera. You see him get shot, and you see him scream. This is the fucking thing about our dystopia that I hate. I've seen someone die like every day for the ta- past two weeks online. You know, but, but here's my point. This people are looking at this saying, "Oh, the cops are racist because if that was a black guy, they would have shot him." Right. My position is okay. This is these are two totally different cops, and maybe they didn't shoot him because they would have never shot anybody. Maybe right, these right, t- right. these cops never would have shot a black guy or a white guy or an Asian guy or anybody. But the point is, this is how dangerous it is to be a cop. Right. And this is why non-lethal... There's two cops on one guy, and they can't control this motherfucker. Yeah. And this is why non-lethal methods are... The the cops are reluctant to use them sometimes. Yeah. And this is also... It just shows you how fucking hard it is to be a cop. You get this crazy dude, and you can't tase him. You can't pepper spray him. He still gets your gun and and shoots and kills one of you. (laughs) It's fucking nuts. It is nuts. I mean, it's... And I think you can't really jump to, oh, this is racism with no evidence of racism. Right. In that case, there is no racism, right? But what they're saying is- As far as we know. If this was a black guy, they would have shot him. And I understand why they feel like that. Because there are all these videos of black guys getting shot by cops. And it is horrible. But this situation is two totally different human beings. That's the problem. It's in the generalization. It's a, the problem is in stereotypes. The problem is in the fact. Well, the, the real problem is that these fucking cops exist at all that would would shoot a guy that's black just because he's black. Yeah, and those yeah. guys are real. Yeah, the, yeah, those cops are there are and there's so many cops out there that have PTSD. So yeah. many cops out there that just they just don't know what is going on. They'll just shoot. And, There's a lot of that. Yeah, and I mean, I had I've had people writing me saying like I I work with cops and they need better training. 100%. You know, they they cops themselves will say we need more training and to act like some of them aren't racist is it's delusional as acting like all of them are. You know, exactly. I think you have to take it on an, a case by case basis. Honestly, the thing that Sam did you listen to Sam Harris's yes. hour long thing that yeah. he did that everyone should listen to that. It's very good. You know, it's it's based very much in in what we know as far as facts because he's yeah. like super reasonable. Yeah. And um it was that I th- I sent it to like my dad who's super, you know, my my left my center left people in my life and he was like that was very good. You know, I don't think he hears that perspective. Right. Well, Whereas- Sam's Sam's a brave man. <laughs> Sam Harris <laughs> yes, is a brave man yes. because he's already been attacked so many times for having these unconventional but very reasonable positions, and yet he still puts them out there. And he knows before he puts them out there that he's going to get some flack and get some... But he's he deleted his Twitter from his phone. He doesn't have Twitter on his phone yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't have it on my phone. Yeah, that Doing things like that can have a big impact. Yeah. I was talking to Shab today. He's deleted all social media from his phone. He doesn't have any social media in his life anymore. Yeah, I, I really only use Twitter, and I only have it on my desktop so that if I'm... I can only check it when I'm like in front of a computer. I don't That's have it. That's even worse, though, then you should be writing. Yeah, I mean that might <laughs> that might be a problem too. I yeah. might just need to delete it completely. I, I think I'm going to get a computer that doesn't connect to the internet. I think uh, I, you know, <laughs> like from the 1982. <laughs> no, they have those. Like Snowden has one that has like a switch. Like yeah, you literally shut the Wi-Fi oh, okay. off. I might need so that. You can't get tempted. 
Yeah. So like while you're working, the Wi-Fi is off. I mean, you can always go to the Wi-Fi and do the. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. But it seems like a like a. They like have a apps switch. for that too. I think they're fucking app. No, I want a button like a click. You could just unplug the Wi-Fi. No, <laughs> no, it's just too tempting because. The, this, I mean, you're a writer. You know as much as anybody. The 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 temptation to procrastinate. Yeah, it's so hard to avoid. I mean, I I I would I actually want to know how many words I've written on Twitter, and I've deleted. I always kind of just delete. I'll, I'll go have a mood where I'm like, I'm deleting everything, <laughs> and then I'll just delete every tweet. And so, I was thinking, like, God, it's it's really a shame how many books I've written on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, but also Twitter. Great American novel. (laughs) Twitter's also given you a very large following. That's how I mean. I I knew you from the store, but I really got into your shit because of Twitter. Yeah, no, I I think you can tell pretty quickly about someone on Twitter. I think it's the best social media for seeing who someone is because everyone, no one's afraid to be kind of their piece of shit self on Twitter. You know, it's really the most. It's the most honest, I think, of social medias because it's primarily a battle of the wits, and yeah. um, it's not. If you choose to engage, it's not so much uh, like Instagram, which I can't stand. I don't know how people. I I don't know how anyone does Instagram. Are you on it? I'm on it, but I never use it. I hate it. I go. What do you hate on, about it? I just every. It's so fake. It's so curated i know because all the people on instagram showing me their lives they call me with all their problems (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i know what's going on in your life bitch it's not looking like this it's so true and so i think it just is like phony to me and i go in there and i'm like i can't and all the women are just how does anyone feel okay about themselves on there? I spent five minutes on there. I was like, I'm old. I'm ugly. I'm getting chest wrinkles. How do I get rid of chest wrinkles? <laughs> I got to call Whitney. <laughs> call Whitney. Yeah, she'll, she'll get you on an NAD drip. <laughs> yeah, this um this filter thing that everyone's oh, using is so that one bananas. that you posted about your daughter, that your daughter's filter made you the pretty lady? How weird is that? <laughs> You know that was used in a class at uh, at Texas Tech. <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. Yeah, but that's what girls are dealing with. They look at themselves in the mirror, and then they look at like like the the Courtney or Chloe. Which one? None of those people are real. But the which 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 was the one where she had a totally different head? Oh, maybe the old, I don't know any of them. The old Jamie? one. Yeah. Which one? You're right. Which one? Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. Chloe. Okay. I mean, you know what she looks like? Yeah. She looks one way, and then the picture was like, okay, who's this? Yeah. And it wasn't her. I mean, they're doing stuff. They're moving their frame around and changing. Yeah, but they're also doing stuff in real life. But this one was so bad that she photoshopped one side of the chain on her neck off. So she's wearing a chain. She's got like a little chain. But she didn't realize it's a very thin chain that she had accidentally photoshopped (laughs) one side of the chain was gone, was not in the image. Like, look at it. Oh wow! But look at the the chain, like half, oh like on the right hand side, the chain is missing. Oh yeah! Because is she's that done, even her body? <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe. That is so crazy. I mean, but it's so damaging. It's so p- much pressure for young girls and her as well. She's got to well, go her. outside. I'm not worried about her. Um, but I'm worried you- about her too. I okay, am. I really, I'm worried about her. She's a human being. She you is. You stop. But that's how you get that's how you get people off your case. Yeah. You attack other people. <laughs> no, I'm not attacking. What you, no, I'm attacking you. Uh, what you're doing is problematic. 
It's terrible. I can't. She's a person. She's a human being. <laughs> You're dehumanizing a Kardashian. <sighs> it's really bad. I know. It's not cool. I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> They're rich. And... Wow, but that's a problem when you say things like that because they suffer from mental illness as well as anybody. <laughs> we all suffer. We do, but it's easier when you're rich yeah <laughs> can yeah, we just agree on that that's the same i think that could be the same picture oh uh, well how do they do the face smile and i don't know that well, doesn't make sense i mean that i don't mean the exact same photo sorry but like the same photo shoot oh <clears throat> wow that's crazy i don't know what they they have a lot done to their bodies too i think someone could probably do that at a doctor's office could make her look like that i too. mean that's if i really had enough crazy. money maybe you think so <laughs> Get crazy. We'll see when I have money. I'll be like, hey, I'll come in and look completely different. I'll be like, yeah, where's, like, where's Bridget? Bridget? And who are you? Hi. I'm like, I'm Bridget. I just got rich and now I have tons of work. Yeah. I've reconstructed my entire being. Remember when Renee Zellweger did some yeah, stuff? Yeah, it ruins like, their life. What do you, you can't, we that, know what you look like. What was the, who is the original one who did this? Jennifer, Jennifer Gray. Oh, yeah. From, she, yeah, she said it ruined her life. She was like known really? for her nose and then she got the nose job and then that it, it kind of ruined her ability to get to booked. Work. Yeah. <gasps> oh, wow. I think she said that. I might be that making sense. that up. That makes sense. She kind of <laughs> stopped working. Yeah. And yeah. she was hot. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. A nose that's not perfect does not make you unsexy. It just doesn't. It comes from within. Mm. <laughs> mm. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> she had a beautiful body. She had a great personality. She was pretty. She just had a non-perfect nose. It's funny. I was but just, guess what? So do I. I yeah, a lot of people do. I was yeah, just mine. joking about this the other day. Like Someone was asking me how I stay sane and COVID and what I'm doing. I'm like, I focus on the only two things that matter in life. Being hot and rich. <laughs> <laughs> try, to, try to get hotter and richer. Just, that's, yeah. that's the run. I get mad on Twitter. I do push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, the temptation to alter your face like that is, uh, I guess, if you see what some of the success stories, yeah. you know, like some of the other Kardashians that have done it and it worked out awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, you know, there, sure. there's definitely, I was not too into any of it. And then I started being on camera more with all these media hits. And I was like, oh man, I had a, somebody did a screen cap for one of the interviews I did. I was like, does the person doing this hate me? Why would they choose that? I looked like I was eating sheet cakes for breakfast. <laughs> Did they catch you like with eyes half closed like with the mouth open? I was like, how many chins do I have? <laughs> I did after this the last time I was on your show, I just kept getting emails. Stop eating bread. <laughs> Whoa, people were saying that to you? That's so rude. Yeah, calling me, texting me, and emailing me. Friends? Friends were saying those. Stop eating bread. Yeah. This wow. is the kind of pressure that Hollywood puts on you. <sighs> Can't you just be funny? Yeah, can't, but can't someone just be funny and I smart? mean, fat shaming works. <laughs> it does work. That's the problem. It's worked on me. It's worked on me. When I went on that carnivore diet, one of the reasons I, I got up to like 205 pounds, mm -hmm. which for me is kind of fat. Mm -hmm. I was getting a, a belly. I was getting these love handles. And we did this weigh-in thing <laughs> for Sober October. And people like, look at your belly. I'm like, fuck. It is kind of sticking out. It's and I'd, it, I got there for the that episode <laughs> at the worst time because I'd eaten. And I eat like a wolf. Yeah. I eat like there's no food coming forever like i'll eat like two steaks 
I'll eat a, like a bowl of pasta. You I must got, love Texas. I love it out here. Yeah, but I could I, eat barbecue for breakfast. Which places have you gone to? What's the one where Matthew McConaughey? Um, this the oh, it's the one where Matthew McConaughey um said his favorite famous line in Days and Confused. Oh, it's the oh, it's good. They use Terry pepper. Brax? No, it's spit fire spit. There's so many out here. You can't be bad and stay open. Yes. Oh, oh. oh. so good. It's the place. So good. For a place that has like 2 million people living in it, they have like 150,000 <laughs> barbecue spots. There he is right there. Yeah. Hey, all right, It's not all painted right. like that anymore. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that place was amazing. I went to the other one that's really big, um, the really famous one that's kind of out. Franklin's? No, I haven't been there yet. I heard it's amazing. La Barbecue? No, it's a. Uh, just too many. We can do this all day long. Hour. It'd be a real problem. Yeah, it's like an hour of us just naming barbecue places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I found out through Adam Curry that that actually was uh, Germans come came here and they they had like a smoked meat tradition mm-hmm. from Germany and that's and they brought that and it became Texas barbecue. Have you been down to Green? Green. Yeah. Green Texas. It's a, it's not far, but there's like a old. Um, it's a dance hall kind of common. We went the other night. It was awesome. There was just a guy. I have a Did video. You dance? I we were you can't dance because everybody has to kind of social distance in there. Mm. And he was just sit, sitting on stage playing the the guitar. And I don't know. It was just a, it's a tiny little town, but I think it's um there is a German founded town. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. There's- Fredericksburg is very German, and that's a place that's like got a lot of like craft places and wineries and yeah. There's yeah. tons of history here. Mm-hmm. I was I was in Georgetown, and there was a protest in front of the city hall because of the there's a Confederate statue. It was a small protest. Mm. How many people? Um, it was mostly white people. And do you think they got there because of a Russian troll account? I don't know. It was it. The guy we I spoke to, like one of the Confederate like dudes after supporters. Well, he's a descendant of these fighters, and he was trying to explain that they just don't want them to desecrate the. Uh, he's like, we wouldn't go down to Green and des- desecrate their soldiers, and they were Union soldiers, and we just think you don't desecrate soldiers. That was like his whole argument for it, and he's like of in of the lineage, <laughs> and so I it was just chatting with him, and uh, and he oh, was well, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a descendant of Mao, and uh, you know <laughs> the way I feel is like leave Mao alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And he was like, you know, you just don't come and like desecrate the statues and and whatnot. But he uh, he said they came every Tuesday and they left it dark. And it seemed like there were reasonable conversation. It seemed pretty, you know, reasonable. It wasn't like screaming on one side and another. It was like pretty chill. It is a good question, right? Like if there's something that's openly racist and represents one of the worst aspects of our country's history, like what how do you treat it? Do you just leave a statue up or should we have like maybe we should have like a a graveyard for Confederate statues and you could you could go and this one was actually in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> it was actually in front of the courthouse until last year. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And like you could, you could go on a tour. And like instead of taking them down and smashing them, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a place you can go where you could see all of them? But then I, people would go that would be like, We need to put these back. <laughs> put them back where they belong. Well, I I feel kind of like yeah, we don't need them, you know. And some I, I but the problem is there's a process that we usually go through to take them down. Yeah. So I would generally err on the side of going through the 
process, but... Yeah, but the process doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes people just feel like they just want to pull them down. This is another thing that's going on right now. This is the perfect storm, the convergence of all these different things that are happening at the same time, and one of them being the COVID lockdown. Yeah. Social media, the COVID lockdown, the polarization of our country with Trump, and then you know this this weird thing where everybody has to pretend that Biden isn't dying. <laughs> Like, this is all happening together at the same time. Like, everyone has to pretend he's going to do a great job. I'm going to vote for him. We just need to get Trump out of office. Like, oh, my God. Like, can we freeze this? Can we freeze this and rethink this? Do you guys have anybody else on deck? No one. I mean, I guess Harris is on deck. She's wearing Timberlands. (laughs) I guess she's one of us. (laughs) I seriously love the tweet. Whoever it was, it was like, oh, found the undercover cop. (laughs) But, like, anyone who sees anyone wearing these in a club, this brand new is the undercover cop. But Charlemagne, <laughs> Charlemagne on Instagram was like, you, you know, because they were saying that she's bringing back Timberlands. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, he's a he's in New York. Like, dudes in New York have been wearing Timberlands forever. Yeah. They've been wearing them since the 80s. Yeah. Or whenever they started wearing them, they never stopped wearing them. <laughs> like, this, this, she's bringing back Timberlands? Yeah. That's like some guy saying, I'm bringing back Chucks. You know, I'm, I'm bringing back Converse All-Stars. Fuck you, you are. Yeah. They never went away, man. You can't bring back something that never went away. And Timberlands, in New York especially, never went away. Yeah, you're you're not allowed to um to go back to Biden. You're not allowed to say that. You're problematic. <laughs> yeah, I'm a problem. But I've been getting canceled for that for I six said, months now. I said in that column, I said something like he may or may not be slipping into dementia. I mentioned about why I'm not voting. And then someone from the New York Times said that is a, a widely debunked conspiracy theory that he's slipping into dementia. And I said, okay, I said may or may not. And p- can you post, like, c- cite your source for where this has been debunked so that my, like, people reading this thread can see it? And this New York Times researcher, writer, says, well, I've seen him speaking, and that's just what I gather from. Like, you seeing something well, you, isn't you're, you're widely debunking. A situation that's not you okay so you see something and have a different opinion and other people have a different opinion that's not widely like oh well i've seen it and that's it could you imagine let's let's pretend that kamala harris was the democratic nominee and biden was a republican could you imagine how savage oh yeah they would be at, at, at attacking his mental incompetence yeah no no, that's actually a really interesting well, this thought is where the, experiment. This bizarre bias comes into play, and this is where everybody's getting gaslit mm-hmm. because they're pretending that everything's okay because all they want to do is get Trump out of office. But in doing that, you're exposing this very bizarre tendency that people have to comply and to go along with these lines of thinking and behaving and talking. And I can't get into that man because that's cult shit yeah that's religious shit i mean that's where these things come from they come from everybody not saying what they really feel because there's an agreement that's been made and everybody you're going to be on the right team aren't you you're going to do the right thing you're going to do the right thing aren't you yeah or we'll burn your fucking house down some guy we have to stop these fascists or we'll burn your house down (laughs) some guy offered me an interview with someone who i probably could get an interview with him anyway and he said if you vote for biden I will get you this guy as an interview. Come on, we have to save the country. What? That was, that was a real message I got. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, bro. <laughs> like, I Jamie's laughing. That's so, uh, so. Yeah, that's just, uh, I understand where you're going with it. It's like so crazy. Yeah. It's fucking insane. 
It's in, come on, we have to save the country. Are you sure? What what about what about it? Do you want to save the country? What 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 part is going to save? What is it? What's going to happen? When I was on, I did one of uh, Brett's um, Unity campfires. And oh, did you? Yeah, and you know, I was asking. I was like, everyone is saying that the other side is the existential threat, and then Brett was kind of like, well, we need to come together because this. That is the existential threat. But everyone, yeah. but isn't that, I'm like, why is everyone on flight 93? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> well, everyone's scared. Of course. But it's also, I, I guess maybe I have optimistic faith in America. Like, I don't really see how Trump or Biden, like, how can, I don't know. I, I don't think, I thing. hope that it what, either one of them can't destroy America in four years because that means America's already fucked. <sighs> yeah. Well, we're kind of fucked. <laughs> I don't like saying, I know my 16-year-old my nephew and all his friends listen, and I don't want to give these children no hope for the future. They have hope for the future, but we're fucked. Do they? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. listen, we're what's not in the, the fucking the dark ages. No. The Mongols aren't coming over the hills with horses and flaming arrows this and shit. This is what I always say. We're, like, people are like, there's a civil war. I'm like, we're too, America's too fat for a civil war. <laughs> who's, who's fighting? What does that even look like? There will be more armed conflict. There right. will be. That's that's going to happen. Because when you have things like the Kenosha guy who shows up uh, you know, with an AR and, and guys try to take his gun yeah, and he shoots they're them. They're LARPing. All of this th- stuff is crazy. Yeah. All of it's crazy. Like the more of that stuff is going to happen if you have more of these conflicts. Like and the they're guy kids. in Seattle. Well, the guy in Seattle is not a kid. Wow. Was it Seattle or Portland where he shot, I don't know. shot that? Portland, right? Which, Portland? It's all Shot the, the Trump supporter? Yeah, yeah it was Portland. Yeah, oh, that okay. guy was not a kid. He's yeah. just a fucking sociopath yeah. who found a team that he could get with. Yeah. Did you see the interview with him, with Vice? Before they killed Af- him? Yeah, before they killed him. Before the cops killed him. Did <laughs> what you see the interview? Did, did you ever see um, Documentary Now, that show, where they made fun of Vice? They parodied no. Vice? It That interview with that guy reminded me exactly of the Documentary Now parody of Vice. It was like... This can't be real. <laughs> well, they interviewed a guy after he killed a guy in the street with a gun and then was justifying it with like, here's my face. Mm-hmm. Here I am. I definitely did it. Like admitting that he did it. And the way he did it was in this weird culty way. Like what he was saying, I, I wasn't going to let him kill one of my friends of color. That's but- what he said. Like, but it was, it was so clear that this is a person who's like saying the things that he thinks you're supposed to say to signal that you're on this team. I think they believe it though. Oh yeah. I mean, look, if you believe Trump is literally Hitler, all of that behavior makes sense. Yeah. Because what lengths would you go to stop Hitler? But it's the same thing in not calling out Joe Biden. Yeah. Right. Not saying that Joe Biden is ha- is having mental issues is the same thing because it's all. You're, what you're doing is you're you're saying things that don't necessarily have to make sense, but they align you with a group. Right. They align you with you're compliant. You're fitting into the words that need to be said. That that you, it's a cult. Yeah. It's and on both sides. Oh. It's right wing and left wing. Trump it's, devotion syndrome. Oh my god! It's so crazy. There's Trump derangement, which is real, and there's Trump devotion syndrome, which is the MAGA side, and it is. It's real. Oh, I we made fun of him on Dumpster Fire just because he said something re- like completely retarded and deserves to be mocked. All politicians yes. deserve to be mocked. What uh, happened, America? Yeah. We used to make fun of all of our politicians. And so 
I think at that in that same episode, I had made fun of like Ben and the whole Cardi B thing, where he went yeah. viral. <laughs> what else was he? Which was hilarious, by the way. If you listen, to it's actually the whole, a gynecological condition. If you listen to the whole ten minutes, it's a pretty yeah. good bit. Like oh, yeah. it's pretty funny. And so he went. Um, he's funny. Oh yeah, he's really. He's funny. a smart, funny <laughs> yeah, dude. He's funny. So he retweeted it, and my cousin calls me. She's like, "We are our comments on YouTube are like insane people defending Trump. They couldn't get past two minutes of us make the next segment. We make fun of Biden, and then proceed to make fun of Nancy Pelosi and everything else. But they could not get past two minutes of us making fun of dear leader. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> there's a there's an issue. I mean, and it works on both ways. There's Trump tweeted a thing recently with uh, me and Matt Taibbi talking about Biden, where I said that Biden. <laughs> oh, the flashlight. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm a comedian, <laughs> yeah. and I was making a joke. But on the same podcast, we talked about Trump being a sociopath. <laughs> we talked. We talked about all his lies. Just fucking lies. Like it was not a Trump supporting podcast. Yeah. But Trump's like, good enough. Snip. <laughs> Post it. Matt. And everybody's like, yeah. Joe Rogan's is, MAGA. This is the world we live in. Yeah. We, li- we live in this world with no nuance. Yeah. And it's, it's very culty. But I wonder how many of those Trump supporters that you get on Twitter are bots. Because a I, lot of them, a lot of them are. No, the devotion is real. The devotion's real. I mean, I know sure. people in real life who are borderline QAnon and... They're, they cried watching, you know, the RNC. For sure. They're, they're, the devotion. And I understand. Look, I get it, too, because he, he rose out of the domination of the mainstream media, the culture, the domination of academia, Hollywood, all, all of it. And he was like a fuck you vote yeah. by many people. And they feel like he is defending them. And the thing I hear from them over and over again is he will stand up. Uh, he'll stand against this tide of insanity coming from the left. He'll stand up for us. And that's why smart people are voting for him. And yeah. that's a silent vote right now. Yeah. That's, si- that's going to be this just is, like 2016. This is They're propaganda, go, Joe. What? Huh? <laughs> what? I thought everybody felt the way I feel. How? This is another thing I keep hearing, which is hilarious. People who told me that he could never win in 2016 and that it was impossible are telling me, again, it's impossible he can't win. I'm like, you're telling me the thing that already happened that you thought was impossible is impossible. What kind of logic is this? It doesn't yeah. even, they're, they're it so doesn't crazy. doesn't make any sense. And when, you know, the, the thing about Russian meddling, when people talk about Russian meddling. I love this. But here's the real thing about Russian meddling. The real thing is these trolls, like they do affect people. Yeah, they do. They, they, it really does work. Like if you get enough of these troll accounts that they literally hire to post pro-Trump yeah. things and anti-Biden things and memes and all these things, they, like I, it catches people up in the wave and they <laughs> want to be a part of that group of people that's piling on against Biden yeah. and piling on for Trump. And- a lot of it, like there was one, um, what, well, there was a protest. It was, I think, was it wasn't in Austin. I forget where it was, but it was a protest against white rage. This is a protest, and this dude traced the IP address back to Russia. He's I'm like, this is crazy. But they're organizing oh, yeah. protests. I know, like, I know. Renee DeResta, she did this whole uh, study of it, and it was it's really fascinating. It is because she found 
hundreds of thousands of these posts. Oh yeah, that were all from this uh, internet research agency in Russia. I love. They're funny. Some yeah, of them. no, I love it when it, something's trending on Twitter and someone will be like, "It's nine a.m. in Russia." You know, like <laughs> the bots have like, "Where's something random?" You're like, "Why is this trending?" And it's yeah. something anti-Biden or yeah. sowing dissent, and it's like always spelled wrong, and yes. it's just like, "Oh, Russia's logged in for their but work we, day." We do it too. This is what's <laughs> fucked up about it. It's like we're talking about meddling in our elections, but like, you know what that's like? That's like someone who's a fucking thief yeah. saying someone been stealing from me like what the stealing some shit you stole yeah like what are you talking about yeah we, yeah, we yeah. do that with other countries yeah <laughs> if we're upset that china is fucking with us you don't think we fuck with china <laughs> come on I know. it's 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 like the american supremacy yes. kind of mentality where it's like how dare these countries who we've historically meddled in their elections meddle in our elections <laughs> don't you understand <laughs> this is outrageous we're the police of the world <laughs> yeah no it's it's been it's it's a wild you know i i had a funny experience kind of observing how people will engage with these bots and my nephew who's probably too young to be on twitter has kind of recently got on he's like they call me D. He's like, look, D, I had a tweet that went pretty big. And it was like him making some comment about they were coming after Lizzo. And he made this kind of. They were coming after Lizzo. Some, for some reason. And he Lizzo made some comment canceled? about it that was smart, but it wasn't necessarily like, you know, A to B logic because he's like 12. <laughs> and people, adults were commenting and yelling at him. And I'm like, oh, this is why I'm never going to argue with someone I don't know on Twitter again, because they might be 12. It might be a 12-year-old. Yeah. Very likely. Either 12 or... What is this? Report Arizona teens paid to file social media posts for campaigns. Whoa. Yeah. This is a Washington Post report of to yesterday. Um, apparently, they're being paid. And then when asked, this is the quote from the, the CEO of the company. Real kids operating their real social media profiles and promoting mainstream American values. Well, Jake Hoffman, president and CEO of Rally Forge, said in an emailed statement Wednesday that the posts were nothing more than, in his quote, real kids operating real social media profiles and promoting mainstream American values. He said, what these young Arizona activists are doing is honest and sincere political activism in the 21st century and in the age of COVID-19, whose firm was linked by the post to the Turning Point Project. Oh, it's Turning Point? Okay. Yeah, it did not I respond to questions. Uh, neither Turning Point Action nor the affiliated Turning Point USA responded for request. <laughs> Turning Point is a conservative youth outreach organization. Its founder, Charlie Kirk, was a featured speaker at the Republican National Convention. Yeah. Um, so, so it's like a sweatshop. So they're of paying like, kids. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to figure out how much they're paying to see like, if this like is like, just yeah. these little political or... activist kids. Imagine if there was a lot of money in it. If you got like real writers, start like people like you start. So I wonder, like, if kids are <laughs> oh, I could sow some serious descent. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Everybody on both sides should be happy. I'm not on either one of these fucking sides, and you too. <laughs> For real, <laughs> they should right? be thanking us that we're not picking a fucking side because oh, I yeah. will bury the other side. <laughs> I know, right? I've thought of that before. I've thought of like starting an anonymous account. <laughs> And just saying all the things I really feel <laughs> and just going to war with people on Twitter. I've never done it and I won't do it. I really won't do it because I feel like the problem with that being deceptive, like here's what I'm 100% committed to. If I say something, it's because I mean it. Yeah. I have to do that. Yeah. That's it, got me here. 
And we might be wrong that's, that's a lot I am of the time. A, I'm wrong a lot. All, all, all the, the time. time. But I'll tell you I was wrong. Yeah. But you you can trust that the words that come out of my mouth are what I really think. Well, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think we share a somewhat desire to explore honestly, honesty. You know, yes. honestly what I'm feeling. Yeah. And sometimes I have to push back against myself. Sometimes I'll say things... So that I can get pushback and hear, see the blind spots. I'm not going to know what my own blind spots are unless I put my opinion out there and hear back from people. Not all of it is great. Some of it's really reasonable criticism that I yeah. I can take in from people I respect. You know, not not even people who maybe I am completely. If if someone is not even my friend, but they they critique something in a respectful way, I'll hear that. You know, I I don't. I feel like it's necessary to just, I try really hard to be honest. I, I can't, it's not lucrative for me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest? No. I think There's it is no ultimately. no money in nuance, kid. I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, I I think I mean, it is ultimately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think ultimately there is, there's there's a future in that ultimately. But we're, this is one of the reasons why I'm so steadfast today is because we're in the most polarized the most ideologically based time ever in terms of like you have a side you stick with it you battle against the other side and i see this from smart people and it drives me crazy yeah it drives me crazy because i'm like i know you're smart because i know you're educated i know you know a lot of facts but you are so fucking stupid about human nature yeah to behave like this because you're denying the very thing that literally has made us racist the very thing that's made us go to war tribalism yeah this is what it is yeah. all of it stems from people who look like me or people who think like me or people from the patch of dirt that i'm from those are on my team yeah and th we got to stick together and we got to all agree yeah but that that's nonsense that's nonsense and we know it's nonsense we know that in 2020 that we don't have to think like that yeah. it's not smart yeah it, I, I mean i think that our founders really understood human nature and they had this insight which I still don't know how they managed to amazing. have it. It's a miracle. Amazing. I mean, Jonah Goldberg wrote this amazing book, Suicide of the West, and he talks about all of this, essentially how the Enlightenment, and we just stumbled on this miracle. And in the end, he has the appendix. I'm like, if anyone in America should read anything, it should just be the appendix of his book, which is all the stats of how much humanity has been lifted out of the dirt. You know, and we've lifted up... Even in developing world, like everybody's doing, yeah, there's problems, obviously, but everybody overall, it's never been more convenient and easier for humans to just exist. And I sometimes feel like, is this just humans because they're not fighting and trying to like survive? They're self-destructing and having to create that reality for themselves? Is, is life just too easy? There's a lot of that. There's a lot of the existential risk the, the real risk of, of humanity up until now has been war, murder, death, death It was famine, so hard to live. So hard. And that was the, what people concentrated on. But now because of, I mean, who, who was dis discussing this with me the other day? Was it Douglas Murray? Maybe? Or was it, I don't forget who it was. So many guests. Anyway, so many guests. Yeah. But this is, 
this is part of the problem with social media is like the problems that you have today are big to you because you do not have big problems. Right. And when you have big problems, like if you have someone in your family that you love yeah. that's that, that's dying or sick, someone calling you a fuckhead on Twitter yeah. doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah. But when you don't have that and then you're like, hey, fuck you, you know, like then you, you th- that, that Twitter comment is the thing that gets you. Yeah. And that gets you out of bed and you check the comments and see what else did they say? Oh, and I said this. Let's see. I got them now. Yeah. You know, and that's, this is your conflict. This is you with a catapult. It's with a shadow flaming boxing rock. though. It's crazy because it's like, I know women on the East side in New York who are online all day battling and they're like, I'm so tired. This is so exhausting. I am in so much distress. I mean, yeah. it's mental illness. It's in there. And I'm like, you're doing this to yourself. Yeah. You are all doing this to yourself. It's not the, a lot of the conflict. And I was saying this on Twitter the other day. I'm like, I'll be worried about America when no one can tweet. Like you're all tweeting and you're online bitching about something or other. When you have, like you said, when you have somebody, for instance, a cancer diagnosis, someone in my life recently thought they were diagnosed with cancer, they weren't. For that 24 hours, you realize that is your life now. Well, that's how I felt at the beginning of COVID. The beginning of the lockdown, I really thought it was going to be like September 11th. Like when September 11th came around, everybody joined up. We all got together because we all realized like, hey, all this petty bullshit is not important. What's really important is we got to fucking band together because we're (laughs) going to run out of toilet paper and food because there's a disease coming that's going to kill everybody. And then when that didn't happen, it's it's like it ramped up the other way. Everybody just got crazier. Hey, it just goes to show you how hilarious it is that people were stocking up on toilet paper. You're like, maybe Tom Green had a great point, though. Tom Green's point was... When you go to the supermarket, toilet paper is a light item, but it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And you only have so much shelf space. And he goes... It was just people seeing other people stockpiling Yeah, it. when they take yeah. it and then it's missing. Dude, I, but I don't have one But it's kind of funny. Now. Like, that's not the first thing I would think of that I... I've, I've also worked in farms and like shit in the woods. So... Oh, oh yeah. So you, you can, you know... I'm, that's not my first thought in the apocalypse. No. Like, that's what I need to, to stockpile. Which I'm like, how- water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It shows you how disconnected we are with real threat. They're like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to wipe my ass from all this food that I'm binge eating while I'm locked down and Netflixing. Like, that's not a real crisis, guys. <laughs> and drinking constantly. Everybody's drinking went up like some oh, insane. Yeah. No, it was like 20% more. Al- while the bars were closed, <laughs> alcohol consumption rose like 20%. I am on a, I had to, it was hard for me because I'm sober and I'm on threads with my very Irish Catholic family. And for the first couple of weeks, it was just pictures of their their booze stockpiles, which I 100% would have done if I was back in my drinking days before even water. It would have been, it would have been booze. Yeah, I mean, my family. I I always tell this joker like it, it's something that's just funny in our family. It was like police. It was uh, police, Vickers Liquors, and then fire. On the emergency contacts. That's real. My grandmother had that in our growing up. And we're like, well, let's be real. Fires don't really start until after we drink. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. It was, it was, a, I think it, it's just interesting to see when I remember when it first started, I was, uh, it was kind of eerie, like no one was out in LA. That was, and it was rainy. And those first days, I went down to the beach. There was no one on the beach. There was no one even driving. And I walked by this guy. He was kicked back in his sofa. He had his television on. He had a beer. He was on his phone, just with a nice little throw. And I was like, "This is apocalypse light, you know? <laughs> it's, it's not really. 
<laughs> like I've never seen a more perfect picture of what the modern apocalypse looks like. It's yeah. not fighting for. I just remember, remember Katrina when it got really bad down there and people yeah. were fighting for food and it, it got it got savage really really quickly in those um in the I think it was in like the Superdome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever read the book Blindness? No. <sighs> I couldn't read fiction for two years after I read that book. And it's all about a pandemic of blindness hits people and they all get put in quarantine. They get quarantined together, the people who are getting this blindness. And then the wife of the guy who gets, he is like stricken with blindness, she fakes it so she can be with her husband. And she's witness to all of the shit that goes down once all these people are out of society and in this quarantine and it's like, rapes and murders and stealing and just how quickly it kind of the veneer of society deteriorates who wrote it um oh god he won a pulitzer for it i'm gonna blank on it uh um thank you he's a great writer it's amazing yeah so i think that we're you know it's pretty under the circumstances the other thing that i've been kind of surprised about is like you were saying there's gonna be more armed conflict i was like I'm pretty amazed at how restrained people have been. Very amazing. Very amazing. <laughs> like 300 million guns, maybe probably 400 million now in America. More than people. Yeah. More guns than people. Yeah. <laughs> and just a few shootings. They've been pretty restrained. Yeah. Pretty restrained. Especially, Good job, America. Especially considering the videos of cops shooting black people. Especially when you think about how crazy it could have gotten. There's been some horrific incidents. Like yeah. There's a, a really bad one. I think it was in Baltimore. This white guy walking on the street. And for no reason, this black kid runs up behind him and hits him in the head with a brick. Yeah. And the guy face plants. And the people that are filming it are in a car and they're laughing. Yeah. While the brick hits the guy and the guy face plants on the concrete. So much violence. But for no reason, right? Yeah. It's crazy. But so little of that comparatively. Yeah. What it could be. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that thought a real race war was going to happen in this country. But I think most people the vast majority of people are not racist the vast majority the vast majority of cops i think are not racist i think the vast majority of people are not violent or evil the vast majority that's why you can just go places yeah that's why it's not a a fucking shooting gallery everywhere you go yeah the vast majority of people are not violent or evil you know it's just we have human beings living together in a very imperfect scenario yeah you don't, we, we were talking about this the other day. Um, you don't hear about the planes that land. You just, you, there are so many people doing so right. many good things That's all the time. That's a great point. You don't hear about the and planes so that land. And so you're only hearing, even in, in police shootings, it's like we focus, and a lot of this I blame on the media, is like, it, it would be like only focusing on planes that crash. <laughs> but it's not even the media anymore. A lot of these things are just online videos that go viral. Yeah, yeah, but I think that um, so much of the the division and that like picking narratives, they're, they're driving narratives. And I and people are obviously kind of partaking in this, but I, I still think that it's we when I first like you said about the early days of the pandemic I thought the same thing because you would go out and there was you'd have this kind of like you'd look you would have your mask on or whatever you walk and people were out walking because they couldn't go to the gym or anything and there would be that you kind of look at each other with that solidarity there's that yeah, feeling of yeah. like yeah we're in this 
Yeah. And it was only two weeks later before people are crossing the street angrily. I got mass shamed by a guy. We were walking and I had my bandana just around my neck and he was very far away and he was like, no mask, no mask, screaming at us. And I'm bright red. You're a bad person. You don't have a mask on. But he's, I'm like, dude, you're going to have a heart attack before COVID ever kills you. Just yelling at people who who don't have masks. And and he's not going to, I would have to spit in his mouth for him to get COVID (laughs) from me. He's not going to get it from me from a block and a half away. Just yelling. And this is where I think people are driving themselves insane. Well, the unhinged have never had a better time. (laughs) This is, uh, this is their time because they have so much company. You know, if you're an unhinged person, like you're on team unhinged, like you're like, oh, look at all the people on my side. Weren't you the one who had that tweet that was like, we have a mental health problem that's a, a we have a gun, pro- something about guns and yeah. mental health. Yeah. I we feel have a mental like- health problem disguised as a gun problem and a tyranny problem disguised as a security problem. Yeah, that's a great tweet. I think about that all the time because man, has that played out. Yeah. Because now we're just seeing the mental health and the tyranny. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> we legitimately have a gigantic mental health problem in this country. Look, I'm a person who uh, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've, I have a family. I'm happy. I have good friends. I'm successful. And I have mental health problems. Yeah. We all have mental health problems. Yeah. And my mental health problems are very minor. I just want to be real clear. They're very minor. But... I get weirded out sometimes. We all do. We all we all get in funk sometimes. We all have issues. We all have issues. Yeah. But when something challenges us and we don't have character and we don't have a history of overcoming issues and we don't have tools in terms of like whether it's exercise or meditation or yoga or whatever you do to alleviate tension and then you have the fucking gasoline which is social media yeah. and you're throwing gasoline on your fire instead of figuring out a way to put out the coals. You're just going to have madness. And there's so many people that are unhinged right now. Unhinged. And they've been alone and isolated. And it it just shows how much you need that social interaction. Yes. Because people, I feel like, are losing their manners. You know, I've heard from many people. And my my sister texted me. She said, I just saw a real-life Facebook fight at dinner. And it was like... And someone else texted me and he said, I just saw a real life Twitter interaction in the grocery store. So this behavior that generally is relegated to the way we are when we're anonymous or not anonymous online with each other that you would never necessarily be if you were face to face because everybody's been online. It's like they're starting to behave that way in real life. That's not good. Well, that's what everybody's afraid of, was afraid of when it comes to like video games. Yeah. People were afraid that like violent video games were forcing people or were going to cause people to be violent in real life. I don't think that's real. I think they've done studies that that's not real. They've never proven that. I think there's actually violence that's gone down. Yes, I think it's the opposite. Um, uh, But I think that there's something about the way human beings are just interacting with other human beings. Those video games, you're not shooting a real person. You're shooting an avatar. You know, you're shooting a thing, and it's fun. The, The thing about interaction with people is you're really hurting someone's feelings. Yeah. And then you get used to doing that, and then you don't, you're not around people a lot. Yeah. Most of your interactions are just this way. And then when you are around people, you behave in the same way that you would if people were in front of you. Yeah. I mean, I think about how much, uh, like how many mental health tools I need. I don't, I'm not, I, I'm like you, I have mental health problems. I've had anxiety in my past. I had debilitating hypochondria that I overcame. How'd you overcome it? Man, 
I, I should really write a book about it. I should write Kill Your Hypochondria be- Before It Kills You because it was debilitating. <laughs> Solid title. It was debilitating. And it was. I, Most people don't get past that. Uh, my, my therapist was like, You, how did you do this? But it was basically, I took. Um, okay, so it was kind of a, a three prong attack because I'm like, I can't live like this because hypochondria truly makes you feel insane. And you know, you can objectively know. I'm crazy, but your mind gets stuck. It's like OCD. And so it's it's kind of based in OCD because you get stuck in a loop. Like I would just get stuck in a loop. For instance, like there's something wrong with my lip. There's something wrong with my lip. There's your something lips. wrong with my lip. There's if something wrong. I don't know. I would just get stuck in that loop or I have throat cancer. I have throat cancer. I have, th- you know, I would just be like stuck in this crazy loop. It's, ins- it's insane. Did it come slowly or did it? It got worse. Did you, you know? always have it? No. Um, I think I come from like a long line of hypochondriacs though now because my mom used to have, you know, those, do you remember those books before the internet where it was like, if you have this, it was like a choose your own adventure, but it was like, if you have this symptom, before the internet, there are these books where you could be like, if you have these this symptom, go to page 233. And if you have this, and I remember my mom would use those quite a lot. So I think she has some of it. Um, my dad is just a big worry wart. So um, I have that kind of neurotic energy, I believe. But I think, too, I was smoking a lot of weed and... I mostly got it when I was hungover. Like that's when it would be the worst as I would be hungover. So anyway, I had because you were realizing what you did to your body. I think I just had, I had to attack it from, from three different places. So the first is the actual, um, I was like, all right, I'm going to rewire my fucking brain. (laughs) And, And I set myself out to do this and I put a rubber band on and I did that stupid thing, but it totally worked where if I was like, there's something wrong with my lip and I'd snap my rubber band and I'd be like, I'm healthy. I am. He- I would just replace it with I am healthy. And if How'd I, you come up with that idea? I read somewhere that it's a good way to help with like repetitive thoughts or to just help yourself. It. I mean, it, I was training my dog at the same time too, and I was like, ah, <laughs> this is kind of like dog training. I just have to interrupt that, you know, That's like hilarious. that that firing. And there's that whole idea of what fires together wire. It's not even an idea. It's like what fires together wires together. So every time, the other thing I had to do was what, be, explain that. What fires together, wires together. So it's this concept of whatever you're kind of thinking and acting on, it it just creates like a pathway, a neural pathway in your brain that gets stronger and stronger if they're, um, if, if it's like the, like for instance, if I, so this is why part two was replacing the thought, but I also couldn't act on it. So I couldn't go look in the mirror. I couldn't go Google anything if I thought I had cancer. I had to cut myself off from acting on, because a lot of people who have hypochondria, they'll they'll obsessively Google. They'll go get tested for everything. They'll spend thousands of dollars getting tests. Luckily, I was not on, I didn't have insurance. I was too poor to really like lean fully into my hypochondria that way. Um, and I just had to stop myself from the action because that, you know, anytime you have a thought and you act on it, it reinforces that connection, that yeah. like mind body connection. And it would reinforce that pattern of worrying. And then I had to start observing. I kept, this is very, I guess too, it's very like, um, CBT. So cognitive behavioral therapy. I didn't know this is kind of what I was doing, but I would keep, now they have very, it's like you keep a record, a thought, what they call a thought log. And I would just document when I had the thought, 
what brought it up, like what triggered that thought, because there's always kind of a trigger, and then what action I took and what action I could take to replace it. And so I sometimes it's just not acting on it at all. And then I started working with therapists on all the things that were underpinning those um, the the triggering thoughts. So one was like I couldn't hold joy. I just anytime I felt like I was excited about doing anything, I was going to Hawaii. That was when I was like perseverating on my lips, and I couldn't. It was like I could not enjoy anything without my brain telling me that everything was going to shit and I was going to die. So I had to look at that. Where does that come from? Feelings of worthlessness, upbringing, whatever. Yeah. Then the other one was shame around sexuality. Like there was just some a lot of shame around. Um, like I was pretty promiscuous when I was drinking a lot, and I didn't. I wasn't always proud of the men I woke up with, and it happens to the party girls. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was an inter- yeah. I was an international slut, and um, there were some there were some like guilt. I'm Catholic too, raised Catholic, so that shit got squirted in before I had a a chance in hell. And so there's lots of shame around that that I had to really look at and deal with. And um, and yeah, so I just started looking at all this stuff and I like, it took me, it was work. It was freaking work. And now I'm like completely free of it. That's I don't, amazing. Yeah. That's was, amazing you did that. Congratulations. I mean, I, I definitely, I feel like I can live and breathe and I can just be present. Meditation was big. And then I think a lot of people forget that, you know, drinking and substances are not a coping mechanism. <laughs> they can be if you if you are not using them addictively. But for many people, like drinking is they'll be like, I have a coping tool. It's drinking. I'm like, that's not a coping tool. <laughs> it exacerbates it. Whether it does. Whether you like it or not. So I had to quit that. And I was joking just like how many fucking things I need to do to start my day. I'm like, I wake up, I meditate, I have to like, you know, I have to work out or I'm a crazy person. I've got to sweat. They're just, I just know what I have to do. Yeah. And people, it's important, I think, instead of, and people ask me all the time how I deal with the online hate and all that. I'm like, I just go work out. That's yeah. my answer to everything. Yeah, that's an answer <laughs> go people work don't want though because it requires effort. And it requires, like, as much as it's difficult when you're sitting down in front of a computer to overcome procrastination and write, multiply that times 10, and it's getting to the gym. Mm. Because the physical discomfort of, you're like, oh. You're like, your mind will, your brain will mind fuck you. Yeah. That's why I have these, this, this, I have, like, mugs and t-shirts that say, conquer your inner bitch. I love that. That's what it is. There's there's a thing. It's it's in me. I was talking to David Goggins who's one of the most savage people that's on the planet today. Mm. And he and I had a long, hilarious conversation on the phone yesterday about it. And I said, one of the things that I really appreciate about you is you talk about your struggles. Like there's a video that I put up on my Instagram the other day. I just wrote Stay Hard and it's his video. And it's him talking about this struggle that he has. David Goggins, one of the hardest men alive. He has this struggle sometimes when he gets up, he just starts feeling sorry for himself. (laughs) He starts feeling like, it just like, fuck, I'm tired. I want to do this. Yeah. And then he he actually says, he said those thoughts into a tape recorder Mm. or, or, you know, a phone or whatever the fuck it is. And and then listen to it play back. And he's like, I sounded like a straight bitch. (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) But he realized it. Yeah. And then he he got fired up and, and went out and did it. But what I said to him is what's so important about him. And why he's so important to people is because he shows you the weakness. 
He yeah. shows you that he has these thoughts himself, but he just always wins. Yeah. He overcomes those, but he knows that, th that those demons are there. They're there for everybody, but he's just got a long history of overcoming those demons. And so he knows that he just has to go to work. It's the warrior ethos. Yeah. You know, it's something I've really always tried to develop in myself and I respect in other people. And I think that you don't have to be a like literal warrior to develop that ethos. And it's something that used to be so respected and Sparta and there were just so many there's that was something that was revered and I feel like in our society now because victimhood has become currency like no yeah. warrior in the fucking world would ever want to be considered a victim they will die on their own sword yeah and it's important that I think people like David and you and uh, just to to really embrace that spirit and try and promote it because Ultimately, it feels better to work against your worst instincts. It does. It just, it might be harder, but it feels, at the end, it feels so good. You you don't have to do a lot. This is the other thing that I love about, there's this great book, Tiny Habits, and it's all about bundling habits and how you, you don't have to start every day and say, I'm going to start working out every day an hour. No, you're probably going to fail. Just start doing 10 minutes and then you might do more. Yeah. And then bundle it with one minute of meditation and just start little increments and That's just be advice. consistent, you know? That's great advice. Because it really is about um, building healthy habits, not so much. It's, uh, it's just my friend said to me, it's more, more habits, less goals. Because we're so goal-oriented, and goals are good to work towards, but you're not going to get there without healthy, consistent habits. And people are just, discipline is fucking hard. It is fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to be disciplined. It is hard. And the, the victim mentality, one of the reasons why I reject it so heavily is because it's completely contrary to comedy. Yeah. Like, if, if everyone is a victim, and you can't, like, have any victims ever... Well, then you can't have any jokes. No. Because you're, you're making fun of things that are preposterous. And as soon as you can't make fun of things that are preposterous, like like I was talking, we were talking before about this uh, Vice thing that was written about uh, transphobic <laughs> episodes of this podcast. And one of the things that they wrote was that I incorrectly uh, described <laughs> how Caitlyn Jenner uh, transition or why Caitlyn Jenner transitioned. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, you mean... Chris Jenner isn't really a demon <laughs> that hovers over his bed and whispers in his ear and, yeah. and converted him to a woman. Like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. It's a, this this kind of nonsense is like. And by and I know Caitlyn Jenner got mad at me. I was only just recounting an old joke from 2016. Yeah, I got no hate for that person. No, no. And I'm sorry if I said the wrong name. I don't I have any no hate. Yeah, but it's, we we are making big deals out of things that aren't big deals. And we're making, we're turning jokes into literal statements that are, are that is hate speech. Yeah. And that shit is nonsense. And you know it's nonsense. Yeah. And you know it's nonsense. We had to, I mean, we were having, there was, <laughs> we were driving yesterday and there's a Planned Parenthood above a Mexican place that we drove by. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Imagine you're like going in and they're like, you're killing babies. And it's like, I just wanted to get a margarita. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's just, and we were making all these jokes and I was like, God, it feels so good to just be able to like joke freely. Yes. Because I feel like the the world has become just a floor of eggshells and everyone's yeah. like walking on eggshells all the time. Can I say this? Can I say this? Because everyone's, many people are dealing with mental illness and that's what it's like when you're dealing with 
mentally ill people you're constantly walking on eggshells but it's i always say to comedians i'm like don't die on your don't die on the content of the joke die on the right to be hyperbolic yes because that's what they're coming after exactly they'll come after the i'm like don't fight about the content of the joke just fight for your right to be a hyperbolic comedian because that's if we have that we have nothing we have to be ridiculous we're fucking clowns well look at joey diaz yeah he's the best example and in my opinion the funniest guy i've ever seen everything is is, is, everything he says is so over the top but that's part of why you laugh yeah you know he's not being honest he's he's making you laugh he's doing comedy and he's doing it by grossly ridiculously exaggerating something so crazy yeah that's why i get mad when comedians are like uh you who are shitting on other comedians when i see other comedians going after other comedians for their jokes i'm like what the fuck is happening here well they're always bad here's the thing (laughs) that's this is the fact the comedians that go after comedians for jokes, they're always mediocre. Yeah, there's th- this is, and I, I don't. I'm not trying to be mean. No, and I'm not always as a generalization. It's the tool of the comic. It's not always. Some of them are good comics that do it erroneously. But the thing that they're doing, they're doing because there's a feeling inside you that always feels bad that you don't reach the high marks. There's like a thing where you don't quite, and then you see someone step out of line, right? See someone take it, maybe misstep, maybe the, maybe they fuck up, maybe they make a joke and it doesn't work, and you want to attack them. Yeah, you want to attack. But Patrice O'Neill said it best, and mm. he said, when someone tells a joke that kills, or someone says a joke that offends people and doesn't work, it all comes from the same place. Yeah, and that place is you're trying to be funny. Yeah, that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, you're not trying to be mean. You know and I remember particularly the early days of my my stand-up comedy when I was terrible. Um, I would just say anything to get yeah. a laugh, anything. And I didn't have to believe it at all. Yeah. I, I literally didn't have to mean it. Yeah. If I knew that it would work and I treated I treated comedy jokes like hammers. Yeah. There was like a hammer. I'm just looking for a nail. Like, does that work? Yeah. No, does that work? <laughs> I was lost in the woods. I was I had a blindfold and I was feeling for trees. Yeah, and everybody though. That's How, what I did. Yeah. And then after a while, I realized, okay, well, some of these, th- I have to think they're funny. Mm-hmm. And then, then it works better. And then, I, and then I just had to, I had to figure out who I was. Right. Like I got into comedy with very little real social life. When I was twenty one, when I got into comedy, I'd only been fighting. Like right. I didn't have a normal childhood. Uh-huh. Like my <laughs> child from fifteen to twenty one was all kicking people in the face and getting kicked. Mm-hmm. Like that was my whole life. Mm-hmm. So my whole sense of like what the world was was all fucked up. So I had to develop opinions on things. I had zero opinions on politics or weddings or anything. So all <laughs> I talked about for like the first year of comedy was sex. Yeah. That was my whole that's act. That's common. But that's all I had. That That's pretty common, yeah. especially when you're 21. You exactly. Know, so what, what other life experience do you have? And by the way, thank God that's what you did. Because yeah. do you ever wonder where you would be if you were that age now? Oh, my God. You'd be out in the streets. I would have a real problem. <laughs> You'd be at an Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I would do. but But the point is, like, when I would tell a joke outside of sex... I really didn't know what was funny. Yeah. I didn't. I knew it was fu- like certain things were funny with sex. And I, so I had those jokes. But if I would tell a joke about something else, like I was just swinging at the wind. I love the process of finding what's funny, though. Even though it's uncomfortable and awkward, 
I was doing, I was trying to get this bit where I was talking about how I, my dad sat me down to have an awkward conversation about my freezing my eggs. And I was like too old. I was like 37. I was like, dad, (laughs) isn't this like asking me if I want to freeze the chicken like seven days after it's been in the fridge? You know, you're, you're probably not going to unfreeze that chicken. (laughs) It just seems like too, it's like past its prime already I, I feel like maybe you should have had this conversation with me when i was like 30 not 37 it just seems so and he's like i didn't realize you had a whole chicken metaphor worked out <laughs> he's like all and so i was trying to do this and all i kept getting was like oh from the audience and i hate the pity i'm like i'm up here talking about it's fine you don't have to feel bad for me but that's my job as a comedian to be like okay why is everyone feeling sorry for me there's a lot of gals out there freezing eggs and i just want to put my hands on their shoulder and go Keep those fucking eggs frozen. Just just keep the eggs frozen. Stop. Do you know that 99% of eggs don't get used? I'm sure. It's something crazy. I could be wrong, but it's a crazy high percentage of eggs that don't get used. Listen, it's you don't have to have kids. It's expensive. Yeah. Kids are expensive, but freezing your eggs is fucking expensive. Oh, I'm sure it's expensive. And you have to store them. You got to pay a freaking storage fee. Listen, having kids is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you don't have to have kids. Like yeah. this, this idea that the path that everybody takes is the path you have to have. There's, there's something about it that used to infuriate me when I, w- when I was younger, where uh, people would tell people with children would tell you you have to have a child. Yeah, and I'm like, that feels like a prisoner telling me that I need to commit a crime. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like come, yes. come with us. It's you don't have to. No, no, you don't have to. I don't look. I don't. I don't have a like a, a steadfast rule for anything involving human beings and their path in life as long as they're doing no harm yeah i I think as soon as someone does i always feel like they're trying to justify their own path by try like how many people who do certain things want you to do those things as well i appreciate the honest parents like my sister is like don't have kids (laughs) (laughs) and she's kidding but she and it's it's another one of those things that in my instance um it never it was less about having a kid and more about having a family. And I had never at that point met a man that I wanted to really have a family with. And that was important to me. I know it's crazy. Wanting a man in my life and all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Gonna get canceled for that one. Um, And so it just, it hadn't, you know, I'm very, and then I was, I hit 40 and I was like, oh shit. Um, am I going to regret this? Is it something that, you know, I'm more worried about looking back and being like, I should have, but I, I just, you could always adopt. I could always adopt. There's so many kids who need good parents. And I feel so, I am truly like that woo kind of hippie chick who's like, I'm right where I should be. Yeah. I have to believe that I have to believe. But you are, you are right where you should be. You're you're right. Considering, especially your past, you are right where you should be. Yeah. And considering, I mean, even just this whole trip to Texas has been so informative because I, I went to go, I went through the process of looking at houses just to see, found out all this stuff. But really I was like, oh, I, I can buy a house. That's, that was an amazing moment for me. Because I went bankrupt when I was 26 and I have worked really hard to, I had to like repair my credit. I had to get a little baby $300 a month card that I paid off in full. And, you know, I I had to focus on that shit. And I feel it was a nice moment to be like, okay, all right, I can see the path forward. And, And so many times in my life, when I thought I wanted something, like I really wanted to write for Maxim when I was 23. I recently found the proposal. It's hilarious. But I was like, yeah, I want to, I was, I was such a, I was such a 
boys, like a, a a boys girl. You know, I just, I moved a lot and the guys were always nice to me and they always let me in their club. So I was at poker nights and bachelorette parties and all that shit where women generally weren't allowed. And I had access to just the male brain and they were, they felt comfortable being their disgusting selves around me and I didn't judge them for it. <laughs> and, and that, so I was like, I need to write for Maxim. I, I get these dudes. I want to write sex advice. And I never really got that column. I never had, I didn't know anybody to even, I was living in a small town. I was talking to Colin about this today. I was like, I was so delusional. I was waiting tables and I was like the town drunk telling people when I was serving them French fries, like, remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, like, I'm Remember delusional. my name. I'm going to be fucking huge. <laughs> I'm going to be huge one day. They're like, just can you get me coleslaw instead of fries, young lady? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I'm pretty sure I saw you peeing in the alley the other night. That's why you got to forgive people when they're young. Yeah. Yeah, when you, when, you, when you see someone acting really ridiculous when they're young, don't don't write them off forever. Yeah. I mean, it's been a lot. They I can mean, bounce back. The story, I think about the long fucking road that it's been to even. And so I didn't get that. But then I ended up writing for Playboy, which was even better. Mm -hmm. It was on the internet. You know, when I wanted to write for Maxim, we only had magazines. And it was much bigger than I could have imagined, but so in the same space. And so... Or, you know, I, th there might be another better thing. Yeah. He, like rejection. I, I love that phrase, um, rejection is God's protection. I love that. And my therapist always says. Um, God's protection. Yeah, it's like you being rejected by a man or a woman or somebody um, or a life opportunity. It's just because there's something better or um, you're a jerk <laughs> well i've always felt like it just means whatever it is whether you're rejected for a job or rejected either you're not good enough mm -hmm. or the system's fucked oh see i, one I of mean those maybe is, one of those things is well there's a lot of people that get jobs that do not deserve them and people that do deserve those jobs don't get them yeah because of cronyism true. nepotism there's a lot a lot of fuckery that goes on with it but that's okay too but a lot of times it's a wake-up call there's a lot of people, like when you were telling people, remember my name, there's a lot of people that really believe there's something that they're not. And yeah. the only way to find out that you are not that person is to be defeated. And that's one of the reasons why I think martial arts is so important for men. Because yeah. men have it in their head, this ridiculous idea that there's something that they're not. <laughs> and the best way to find out that you are something that you're not is to get squashed. Oh, yeah. So you get squashed a lot. I, I've eaten a lot of humble pie. Well, anyone who gets good at jujitsu has been fucking manhandled <laughs> for a long time, and to get yeah. to re reach a black belt in jujitsu or even a purple belt, which is what Andrew Yang thinks every police officer should be, and I think so too. Yeah, that's you, true. You get your fucking ass handed to you for years. Yeah. Yeah. All the, I mean, I can think. I can close my eyes. Just think all the times like strangled, tapped, or tapped. Yeah. Ah, tap. Yeah. Tap on my leg. Ah. Tap. It's just like you just get you lose all the time. Most men don't have enough opportunities in life to lose. Mm. Losing is very important. Losing it is important. And failing and losing are so huge. It's They're so, so important. And we live in a culture that doesn't really, um, you know, it's obviously very success driven and mm -hmm. everybody, and you see the, you know, the 10 years to become an overnight success or yep. whatever. I'm like, the, the, I ate so much. I was telling this story today with Colin just about, how I was so delusional and I had, I went bankrupt. I started Fetacy.com when I was 
for because there's greeting cards and t-shirts and i had this great idea and then i had no business acumen and i drove around america highest gas prices ever in america i think to this day for six months and i was like selling t-shirts on the beach telling people like yo remember this or like it's spring break i'm not gonna remember anything (laughs) idiot yeah i was just delusional and i would just i came out here and then my cousin who's my partner on a lot of stuff I'm like, you know what? We can turn this company around. <laughs> I was like on the verge of bankruptcy. I'm like, we're going to go to Costco and we're going to get some whiteboards. And we got $600 worth of stuff and two cards. I was maxed out on my credit cards. I go to pay with my credit card and they're like, we don't take credit cards because Costco, they only take like that one kind American Express or I think it's changed now. Visa or something. So they only took one and they wouldn't take it. And then we just had to like abandon these two cards. Like, why did I think that like dry erase boards was the thing that I needed in that moment, spending $600? And I do tell young people who come to me for advice, I'm like, you know, there is, you have to kind of be a little delusional to, um, in a, in a creative path in particular, because the the difference between delusions and dreams is hard work. Like you're delusional if you're sitting in your mom's basement and you're like, I'm, I'm going to do this and you're never doing anything. But you do need a little bit of overachieving delusion to kind of push yourself. You could call it that. I would just call it ambition. Yeah. Ambition but, and a, a trust in the process. Yeah. If yeah. you're terrible, if you're a comedian and you're terrible, <laughs> right? And But you think... You I know could, a lot of t- terrible comedians who have been hugely successful. So as I terrible comedians, attrib- I might attribute that. Few of those are joke thieves, but <laughs> a lot of them they they start out bad, but they have these moments where they get laughs. If you could figure out what happened there, mm-hmm. and and then and then take those embers and blow on them, and 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 use it, and 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 figure out how to recreate that, and then figure out how to get better at it, it can be done. But you ha- also have to be ruthlessly introspective mm-hmm. and that is a thing that most people are not willing to do most people want to protect themselves from their failures and they want to pretend that it was other people's fault or people are plotting against them <laughs> or you know if, uh, how come it always happens to them or he gets all the breaks and all these that all that shit does you zero good yeah. and just pushes people away from you it creates the exact opposite the exact opposite amount of the the exact opposite kind of energy that you need to be successful. Yeah. What you need to be successful is pain. Yeah. You need to. All my best like growth moments in comedy came after I bombed. Mm. Like embarrassing, horrific bombings. Mm-hmm. Those are when I I got my shit together and I got better and I go oh my god I can't do that again and then I got better. There's yeah. there's been a series. There's like been there's there's big ones in my life where I was like. That, like it was the worst feelings I've ever had. Yeah, it's not. I've had losses and fights that feel losses feel bad. I get like, PTSD just talking about bombings from bombings some of the worse bombings. than getting your ass kicked is what <laughs> I'm trying to just, say. Oh, bombing feels worse than getting your ass kicked. It really does. I had one at the comedy store that I still remember like it was yesterday. <sighs> it was it was a monumental. A guy that I was kind of having an affair with actually. Um, he was there with his friends, which is even worse. I would have rather it had been a thousand strangers and they kept pushing me and it was, and they kept pushing me and pushing me because I'm nobody. And I just kept drinking and drinking and drinking. And I got on stage and I was like, I'm cold and afraid. And that was it. And then I blanked. I couldn't remember anything. They music. It was 
her i i <laughs> it was horrific you know you feel me it was yeah. horrific oh 100 i can't watch uh open mic nights <laughs> i can't like one of one of the reasons why i take great comedians on the road with me i always take funny people because there's nothing weirder to me than watching someone who's not funny and then thinking i can go be funny yeah yeah like i don't I feel like nothing's funny. Like if I see someone eat shit, I'm like, oh my God, comedy doesn't work. <laughs> like there's no comedy. It's not real. This just can't be done. It can't be done. This person's bombing. <laughs> Nothing is funny. Nothing they're saying makes me think, oh yeah, I know it's funny. And then if you go on after someone who bombs, who's terrible, you have to kind of reintroduce the idea of things being funny. Yeah. Like it's a lot more work. Yeah. This, ha this actually happened to me in a situation that I had no business being in, which was often the case with stand-up. And it was, they had made some deal where Bill Burr was performing, who's a god. <laughs> and then there was just a bunch of nobodies who they, they had arranged that would like kind of just open for him basically so that he could like do his hour that he was testing. Because he doesn't give a fuck. They're not here to see any of us. They're just here to see him. And the girl, I was the girl in between a girl who bombed and Bill. And I was like, this is, so much pressure thank god i didn't in that instance i didn't bomb but it was you were like the audience is traumatized <laughs> you right, know like, right, right. they need to recover they need to you need to bring them back and let them know everything's okay <laughs> there's also the thing where you know that someone who's going on after you is just way better than you <laughs> and you just start judging your act and judging all of your material oh god second guessing your taglines and yeah yeah that was like, uh, who was it? Jeff Garland. I was opening for him and I was just so paranoid. I got in my head. The first show was a disaster. <laughs> and he's like, no one gives a fuck, Bridget. They're here to see me. You know, ah! <laughs> he's like, you can go. He's like, I, I demand you go out there and bomb. And he's like, you need to try all new stuff. He was great. He pushed me. He's like, I don't care. Go out and be like, there. I'm going to come out. Because you know him. He just has like the awkward yeah. silences that he loves. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, I love when he's like, no, most people in this moment would be uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just silent. <laughs> and they'll like sit down, <laughs> just take a load off. And yeah, it, I've learned a lot. I mean, I, lear I definitely have learned more from bombing than I have from... Yeah, that's where you learn. Well, you definitely learn from killing too. I mean... Well, you, that you, just feels like... Feels awesome. But it also does teach you what's good in your act and uh, the pacing and correct pacing and... Like how you're you're presenting bits, and I never uh, leave a bit alone. I, I until I'm ready to film it, I'm always fucking moving things around mm. and trying to find a better way to. And you know, you find out through whether or not it works. What's your process for writing? Well, there's a bunch of different ways. Sometimes I just have an idea, and I just write it down on my phone. Like sometimes I'll be talking to my wife, and I'm like, I got an idea, and she she understands. So I just yeah. run away. I run away, like literally <laughs> run, and I just write it down because I, I can't. It's like they're slippery fish. Yeah, they're like, very. Ah. You're like, I'll remember that. You'll no. never remember it. I I know now that yeah. I don't remember it. So if a good one pops into my head, I will literally run away for, in a restaurant. I'll get up and run. Yeah, and like, what the fuck is he doing? Do you audio like sometimes? Yes, do you sometimes. okay? So you can sometimes hear I that. audio. Well, also sometimes if I'm like if I'm high, especially, mm -hmm. and I think I'm not gonna remember this, <laughs> I have to say it because I don't, I don't, I won't remember it while I'm writing it because I'm right. really high. Right. You know, like, <laughs> so um, you're like, this is in genius. the middle of writing. <laughs> I'm like, what was I saying? Um, so I have to say it because it's quick. Right. You know. So I have like when I swipe down on my iPhone, there's the the audio recorder is one of the things that's built in there. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's so I just smart. Swipe down, hit that, and start yapping. 
<laughs> that helps. But the other thing is like sitting, and sometimes they're just ideas that I have that I bounce around in my head while I'm driving around. I'm trying to figure out how to work it out. And then I bring them on stage raw. Sometimes I, I haven't even written it down. And yeah. I just fuck around with it on stage just yeah. to see if I can find a place for it. But then the, the big thing to me is also sitting in front of a computer. And I know a lot of comics don't like that, but I, some of my best bits have come from sitting down and going over the bit and going over material and also writing essays. Like I write essays. And so I'll write like a you know a couple thousand words, but I'll extract a sentence. Right. And right. that one sentence will be a bit. Uh -huh. But if I don't sit and write that, I don't get that sentence. Right, right. And a lot of comics say, oh, I write on stage. I'm like, yeah, I do too. I do too. Mm -hmm. But I, I also make myself sit down. Like I need a new hour every two years. Mm -hmm. Really a new hour every year. Because the last year is really just hammering the samurai sword down. Bing, bing, mm -hmm. bing. It's, you know, honing the blade. Yeah. But the bit, the metal has to be in position after a year. Yeah, yeah. So I have to get something. And you got, like, you can come up with it on your own. You could just, just, just talk and go on stage and socializing with friends. A lot of times things come out, socializing with friends, yeah. good ideas will pop into my head. Like you're laughing, having fun. You say something crazy. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, you should use that. Mm. And you write that down. But, there's no substitute for actually writing. Yeah. For sitting down and writing. Yeah, just sitting your ass in that chair and doing the work. It's it's like, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, no. This is what I tell young comics. Like, well, I'm, I really feel comfortable writing like that because it always comes out forced. Yeah, get better at it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the argument that I've talked to comics that, that just do crowd work. And yeah. Go, Whenever I do bits, it seems fake. I'm like, well, that's because they're not good. Yeah. You got to get better at doing that. Do you like crowd work? I do it if some shit is going on. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I just you know I'll do it occasionally just to have fun. Yeah. But I feel like there's, there's it's a a weird sort of fake immediacy. Like there's a fake energy. Like oh my god, this is coming out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, like, this is so much funnier than it really is uh -huh. because that's people are laughing really loud and because they know that you're coming up with it in the moment. Right. So it's fun sometimes. But there's no substitute for real bits. Yeah. Like a real killer bit. That's what I like. When I would listen to Richard Pryor or, yeah. I, or Sam Kinison, or I wanted those fucking perfectly honed chunks. Yeah. You know? That's like Chappelle. I mean, God, I watch his stuff. I'm like, he is like a master class. Just the yes. way that he constantly misdirects and it's like the joke's always on you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah just so i i mean that opening to the most recent one the sticks and stones yeah just it's just how he manages to bring it back to the anthony bourdain thing and then he's like and this guy i mean he's just it, it's He's just a master. You see somebody who's so gifted at that. We're so dedicated. Did you ever... Th I feel that this way about um, Colin Quinn, actually, that New York special that he did. Did you ever see that? No, I haven't Holy seen it. Holy fuck. It is... Colin's I, a genius. I, he's a genius. I watched it and rewatched it again immediately because I was like, what the... F how the fuck did he just do that? He tells the whole history of New York and it's all in jokes. I think Seinfeld directed it. It's uh. on Netflix. It is genius i've uh, never I'll seen see anything like it really it was like the history of new york he's in an so hour. unappreciated so unappreciated yeah yeah and comics appreciate him i remember one time i did tough crowd and colin was working the uh, um he was uh warming up the audience and he just did his stand-up 
So there's an audience there to see Tough Crowd, and Colin is just doing stand-up for the audience. And it is so good. I yeah. remember thinking afterwards, like, wow, his stand-up was so much better than the show itself. Yeah. I was like, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. That, like, people don't know how good he is. He's so good. His red state, blue state that he did is genius. It's like, it aired on CNN, and now it's on Netflix, but it was a roast of all 50 states. It's freaking hilarious it's amazing he's yeah he's really under yeah. i feel like underappreciated what what have you learned in your time off like what have you learned about your comedy have you what are your i can live without it and learn that oh i can survive well yeah without it i mean you're not twitchy oh well i got twitchy the one time i did it i did it in uh, houston i did a weekend at the improv but then I got twitchy about giving people the COVID. Uh, I got worried. I'm like, what if I got it? And then I gave it to somebody. Yeah, that would worry me. Started getting weirded out about that. Mm -hmm. I got weir weirded out about like, you know, someone who's compromised getting it yeah, because yeah. of my carelessness. And then I thought about it. I was like, also, then, then there's people that are in the audience. Like, are you responsible? If people come to see you and then someone in the audience gets COVID, like, are you responsible for Not that? Not directly. Not directly, but, but it's like secondhand. Do, do you feel guilt free? <laughs> yeah, no. You don't feel guilt free. Like, if you find out that a fan who loved you but was overweight and they came to see you and they got COVID and died after your show, like, fuck. yeah, you feel horrible. You'd feel horrible if you were. A so I decided, person. okay, this is not. I don't know if there's a way to do this where people don't get sick. What about the drive-throughs? Aren't people doing that? That seems whack. I know yeah, Bert yeah. loves him. Bert loves him, but, but Bert's crazy. Yeah, and he's always drunk. So it's like it's hard to it's hard to. He's just having a blast. He loves it. Yeah, but Bert just wanted to perform, you know, and he figured out a way to do it. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the drive-in movie comedy thing was his idea. Oh wow! I think he's the one that started doing it, and he's the one for sure who's doing it on the biggest scale. He told me he did a show. I go, how many people were there? He goes, 700 cars. Oh, wow. I go, 700 cars. That's crazy. That's a lot of people. Yeah. You got to figure that's at least like, 1,400 people. Yeah, at and least. Maybe more. Yeah. And, you know, he said at the end of it, they were flashing their lights. And it was like a fucking UFO. He uh, said it was awesome. That's kind of cool. Listen, he just wanted to be out there. Yeah. You know, he just wanted to be out there doing stand-up. And it's going well. He's selling out all over the place. I feel bad for the comedians who were, like, just getting that momentum you know, the ones that were grinding and grinding yeah. and grinding. Because I've been thinking a lot about this just with COVID. Mm -hmm. How much momentum was just stopped. Stopped. All over the world. Just the momentum for musicians. You know, I heard this story about a musician. People starting business. Just stopped. stopped. Yeah. yeah, people going to high college sports. But these comedians who aren't making money. Or, but or musicians who aren't making money. But musicians just, only make money touring. Yeah, but we're just about to start making money. Right. Maybe not even like, like just beginning. Allie, like my friend Allie, Allie Mikofsky. She, mm. was, she was opening for me, just really starting to get paid work, and then was actually starting to headline. And then uh, it all went away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now that's she's what... living with her mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There's, no, there's no money. There's no money. Like, how do you make money? Yeah. The only way a comic survives today is if they started a podcast before all this shit happened. Yeah, yeah. And I have been telling comics this from the fucking jump. You I were said, the one who told me to start mine. <laughs> yes, and you listened. I did. Yes. You told me. I remember where I was. It was at the comedy store, and you were like, start a podcast. And I was like, eh, Joe Rogan tells you to start a podcast. <laughs> I guess you should. I was should. right. Look, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's very successful now. The, yeah. the, the thing is, is 
it's it's a vehicle for you to be independent and to not just make money but also to get your voice out there yeah you can get your opinions out there in a way that you don't have anybody leaning over your shoulder like i had um there was a time where i was doing the rounds with uh, some radio people where I, there, there was like some offers for me to do a radio thing mm. and i was like oh but there's going to be like someone telling me what I can and can't say. Right. There's going to be someone bringing me guests. Like this guest right. is going to come in and that guest is going to come in. I'm like, I could probably make do with that. But it would also be those, there's uncomfortable moments. I remember when I did radio where the I knew the DJ did not want me there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't a fan of my comedy. or they, yeah. DJs are weird people. <laughs> And so they're like comics in a lot of ways, but a lot of them are like comics that never did comedy. Right, and right. And they have this like insecurity about the comics that are out there battling. Yeah. You know, I remember one guy was mad. He goes, he said, uh, looked like he had about two hours sleep. He smelled like liquor. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a comic. Yeah. Yeah, I did have two hours sleep. <laughs> I did smell like liquor. We were up having a good time. I had a show last night, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, we were up until four o'clock in the morning just laughing. <laughs> And then I came here at six. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Fuck do you expect? This yeah. is what I do, man. I'm a comedian. But there's something about the the person who just the comic, the, the like a lot of DJs, I think secretly wanted to be comics, but yeah. they just because they'll try to be funny, they'll try to be witty, witty morning guy. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they never, they never put their balls in a wheelbarrow mm. and made it onto that stage. Yeah, they never did. So you were like, no radio, sticking with the podcast. Well, I just didn't. I didn't think anybody was going to hire me. Oh, okay. But the, the but the the problem was, I was worried about having a place where I could just say what I wanted to say. Yeah. I always knew someone was going to tell me not to do something. Yeah, yeah. Like, ugh, it's so annoying. Yeah. When you say something funny, and someone's like, "You can't say that." It's like, <laughs> oh, you fuck. Like, there was an episode of Fear Factor once where this lady could not reach her hand into this barrel. There's this barrel of uh, worms uh -huh. to pull out a piece of paper. And the piece of paper, I think, would say, you have to eat one worm or no worms. And I'm pretty sure she was vegan, too. So she couldn't eat a worm because then she'd have to kill a thing. It was hilarious. <laughs> okay. So I go, just put your hand in there and grab the paper. She's like, I can't. I go, but you definitely can. Trust me. You can do it. You put your hand in there. You grab the paper and you do it. I go, it's not that hard. I'm telling you it's all in your head. I'm going to help you through it. And, and she's like, I, I just can't. I can't. I go, you're saying you can't, but that's not true. It's difficult, but you can. I go, watch. I'm going to do it. I go, want to watch? And I put my hand in there and I pull out a piece of paper. I go, see that? I go, that's why only men get to be president. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so mad at me. And I go, I'm joking. I go, but you can do it. Like, but NBC wouldn't have it. They, uh, they wouldn't do it. They cut it out. And I remember this conversation I had with the producers. I was like, why can't you say that? I go, you understand I'm joking, right? They go, well, a lot of people are going to get mad. I go, yeah, a lot of people get mad at jokes. Yeah. But it's pretty clear that I'm joking. And you know I'm a comedian. And everybody else does too. So what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. But I remember that feeling. I'm like, it's going to be that. It's going to be that all day. It's yeah. going to be that all the time. It's going to be that. But podcasts are the only place where a comic can say whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. But what I've been telling comics from the jump is this is the only place where you can do this. Yeah. Where you don't have any other people doing. And thankfully, a lot of people have listened, particularly like Tom Segura and Christina. Like Tom and they're I had great. a conversation. They're awesome. They're moving out here. Oh, Holla. I Coming love out her. this week. She's, I just love her. Yeah. Um, I hooked him up with my real estate agent. Mm. So we were in the middle of this uh, lockdown, and me and Tom were on the phone. He goes, dude, 
thank God you told me to do this podcast. Yeah. He goes, what the fuck? He goes, I was making so much money touring and then I was like basing my lifestyle off of that. No one ever thought the plug would be pulled yeah, on it yeah, like this. Yeah. No one ever saw this coming. But not just that, they've established who they are through that podcast yeah. in a way like you realize how silly he is yeah and how silly they are together <laughs> yeah, they're and how so funny. cute they're yeah. awesome they're, they're great they're my favorite well they're not my favorite com yeah they are okay they're my favorite comedy couple yeah but there's a bunch of other ones like bonnie mcfarland yeah. and, and rich voss and yeah and uh natasha leggero and moshe kasher there's a few that work yeah and that's it, the answer to these people that say like oh comedians should never date other comedians so yeah my whole theory uh, one headshot per couple yeah it's a good theory <laughs> it's a good theory most of the time yeah but like all theories there's they, always a yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some that work obviously i yeah. think they don't i the thing i love about tom and they, they just don't take themselves very seriously at all at all and or their opinions. Yeah. They, and then they're, they're not the people, even though they're super successful, they're not the people that tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah, no. That shit's gross. I don't want to do that. That's no. like, It's like you were saying earlier about the just letting people kind of find their path. Yeah. Because I, what worked for me isn't going to work for thee. And this right. is what we're hearing from you know these kind of extremes is what's right for me is what's right for everybody. What's right for me is what you have to do. Yeah. And if I think something, you must comply. Yeah. If I believe something, you can't say a thing. You can't think a thing. You must do this. You got to adhere to this or that. You know, there's just so much madness in the world when it comes I, to this shit it's weird it's interesting like i understand you know kanye clearly i i pray what? for him kanye you understand him <laughs> I, I understand right when he started wearing the maga hat i was like i get it i get it because there was so much pressure especially like in la and when you're living in that liberal bubble state there's so much ideological pressure. I could feel it. I could feel myself not wanting to say things. And that's why I just was like, fuck it. I'm saying whatever I want on Twitter. I'll pay the consequences, whatever they might be. And I'm not going to censor myself. And, you know, I have the whole theory of on Twitter. If you get like a lot of followers for one tweet, you have to immediately tweet something that's the opposite so that you can <laughs> weed out all the like zealots and ideologues because that's the only way to purify following from like the the radicals yeah and does it work it does work i feel like because i can see it in my mentions for the most part my like the people who follow me are like in on the joke and there's some really smart funny people and i love it when they contribute to the joke like i'll right. read my mentions because they're usually freaking hilarious and then there's always like one idiot who's like oh this is the most obvious grift i've ever seen i'm like do you uh, just yeah uh, yeah that grift word there's too many dorks that are using that word i know oh, he's a grifter okay. because i like using the word there are a lot of people that are fucking grifters yeah it's, but there's too many people using that word it's a good word it's one of those words it's a like, fun word it's a really fun word. it's a fun word to say it just has a good it's accurate yeah I'll tell you where to find grifters. Here's a yeah. fun thing to do that I I should start just a segment on my podcast. I love reading Yelp reviews of psychics. You want to talk about <laughs> fucking grifters? They're the biggest grifters. I could read these <sighs> for oh. hours. You want comedy, Joe? Go read psychic reviews on Yelp. 
Yeah, they they're, are, they are nothing but grift. They the they're like I came in and he didn't remember my name. He should have known my name when I walked in. <laughs> the scenes that are set, like I showed up and this woman was babysitting her grandchild, and then she needed me to give them a ride. I'm like these people who are psychics are insane. It's amazing. All of your audience should take a moment, go read some psychic Yelp, Yelp reviews. When you're feeling down, you will immediately feel better about and life. There's all these people that want you to know that they know a psychic that's real <laughs> like dude i'm telling you she knows she just knows things you got to talk to her i had a girl on my podcast her. who was addicted to psychics and i was like no. come on how bad could it have been and she was like i spent sixty thousand dollars on psychics last year i'm like okay yeah whoa. that's an addiction whoa <laughs> how did she have that much money i mean i think she, have to be a, she had good she had decent money obviously she thing. was making decent money if you make more than $60,000 a year, you're probably not that much of a moron. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you've done well. I mean... If you have that money to blow on psychics, that's, yeah. what's, that's what's confusing about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I think it got to the point where her psychic started feeling guilty because he told her that she he had to like cut her off. That's like a drug oh dealer being God, like, you're that's hilarious, bro. You, you're taking in too much of this crack. <laughs> I thought she was kidding when she said it. Her psychic cut her off. Yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. Amazing. That's it's a funny. wacky. It was a wacky interview. Those are dirty people. They're evil people. The, 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 those people and the seance people. Those are even eviler. Your your father is talking <laughs> to me from beyond the grave. I I sense he misses you. Yeah. Oh, give Don't, me money. Give me money. I was talking to your dead dad. Do you believe in any kind of psychic powers? I, I think <laughs> I think it is it is likely. That there are evolving senses that we are aware of and that we recognize, but that no one in this current state of evolution has a handle on how to control them. I think there are moments when you think about people and they call you. I think there are times when you know someone's lying. There's a feeling you get when you know someone secretly hates you. There's, <laughs> right? There's, there's weird things where you go, I knew that fucker there's yeah. something and i don't know is if those it like are body based. language that you're picking up it could be that yeah it could be that but there's also things like when you think about someone and they call yeah people say oh that's a coincidence it you're right it could be a coincidence yeah but i'm not buying that all the time i think sometimes it's a coincidence but i think sometimes there's a strange interconnectedness to life yeah and i think that we used to be animals with no language yeah and then we develop language and you're basically when you're talking to me when you and i are talking and you're speaking with your language you're making sounds and i read your mind through those sounds mm -hmm. and i recognize those sounds mean particular things i put them into my own organization of mm -hmm. what they mean to me and they mean different things to different people which is why it gets things get confusing which is <laughs> also why i'm so ruthlessly opposed to compliance mm -hmm. because you're forcing me to accept your definition of what these sounds mean mm -hmm. and what that means in terms of like uh, what, what the what the actual context of it is and what 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 the intent is behind these sounds mm -hmm. and it's 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 creepy and sneaky yeah Wildly but, debunked. Yes, but I think exactly it's been wildly debunked. <laughs> it's been wildly that, that debunked by drives, my opinion. Drives me crazy. But also just words you can and can't say. And, yeah. But there's something about human beings 
where I feel like there is a connection that's like almost there. Yeah. It's like it comes together sometimes. It's like just every now and then you get it, but you don't always have it. Mm -hmm. There's something. And when you do mushrooms, you have it in a big way. Yeah. You know, one of the things of um, uh, ayahuasca, when they first discovered ayahuasca, one of the ingredients that was later recognized as being already discovered to be uh, a, a, a compound called harmine, mm -hmm. uh, they they started calling it telepathine. Mm. So the first people that were studying ayahuasca, the first uh, scholars that were studying it, were the researchers were, were calling it telepathine until they realized that you know, due to the rules of scientific nomenclature, it had already been established that was harming. So they knew what the thing was. But they were calling it telepathine because through this compound, people were having these shared experiences yeah. without talking. And then when they relayed these experiences, they were actually communicating without talking. And they were saying there's a type of telepathy that's possible with this drug. I think, I think we are becoming something, and if we don't, interfere we probably will technologically and with Neuralink and all these mm -hmm. other crazy things mm -hmm. if we don't interfere i think we will ultimately become more and more in tune with that our ability to sense things and communicate non-verbally yeah. and read each other non-verbally there's something about there's something about us where we we connect in this way that is, you can't measure it. You yeah. can't put it on a scale. You can't put a tape measure to it, but there's something to it. I agree. My I, my best friend and I have always had that psychic connection and we just thought the adults weren't witches like we were and that they sucked. <laughs> so we always developed it. And to this day, I can be like, call me Sarah telepa telepathically and she will it, literally within like a day, it feels like I'll hear from her randomly and she'll... It's just that we like intuitively know when we need each other. And mm. I worked with autistic kids for a while and part of one of my many jobs. And I kind of have a weird theory that autism and the rise of it is the human brain and evolution. And it just hasn't, we're kind of catching it mid evolution because those kids have amazing gifts. I saw some crazy shit working with autistic kids, just things that didn't make any sense. Like my one example, I was working with a kid and he was nonverbal and he, we were in the playroom and he was, you know, he kept, he was obsessed with flies. He would get obsessed with different things at different times and he would look up and then look back and look up and he was in his, we were like, lock, I thought it was locked. It wasn't. And he runs out of the room suddenly runs through the laundry room, runs into the kitchen, and then midair grabs a fly as it's flying. <laughs> yeah, I saw this. I was running on his heels trying to catch him. I was like, wow. what the fuck? And then he brings it back into the playroom and he would like basically play with the fly until eventually it died. It died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was just one of the, I mean, there were so many moments like that with all these different kids where I'm like, they're tapped into something else. Yeah. And if you lived in a world and say you had a sixth sense, say that you had, say that you lived in a world where nobody could see and you were the only person who could see, you'd be banging your fucking head on the wall too if you could see and everyone was like, what are you talking about? Right. It, so sometimes I wonder if it's not... They're not, like you're saying, maybe the brain is evolving and we're just catching, it just doesn't fit in society. So they're they're feeling, because there's a lot, 
I don't know. I just saw so many. The, the autistic kids are just amazing. Little. Some, some people have that feeling when it comes to aut- autism and autistic kids that maybe that's an emerging type of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that even though we're looking at it today as being a detriment, right. that it might be the standard in the future. Yeah. I mean, they have amazing, because like you were saying, we're animals and we've done, I've always been fascinated with how out of touch we are with our instincts because they still run the show for all of us. Most people, yeah. yeah, most people right now, there's so much fear in the, you can feel it everywhere. There's so much fear. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. in fear, 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 fear everywhere. And that drives so much of this behavior that we're seeing, like tribalism and um, trying to be a tyrant and rule over people and feeling like you have to stop anything you, that doesn't make you feel that even that language like i don't feel safe what is that because of words like what does that even fucking mean i don't feel safe i'm not okay you don't feel safe by my words but you like burning down a city is supposed to be okay you know it's a weird we live in like weird times wherever there's so much but i feel like i think it was really shown in the tsunami remember that huge tsunami that was in like 2000 six was it Fukushima? or 2005 no not the one in japan the oh, one the that Thailand. was in the indian ocean yeah and all the animals ran away mm-hmm. and all the humans ran to go see all the shells and shit and why the ocean was there were tons of people who drowned because they were like what's happening yeah and that's just evidence to me of how out of touch with i wonder if our ancestors would have made that same mistake where they're like what's happening i don't know i don't know or would they have been like, we're getting that, we're following the animals? Well, there's a real wonder, like what kind of, uh, what kind of understanding of animals and of the land and and uh, storms coming and all sorts of shit that animals seem to tune in. That did we lose? Yeah. When we, you know, had houses and did we, we lose it? Is what I'm wondering. I wonder, right? Or did we just never have it and we're morons? Maybe, maybe that's. <laughs> well, don't you think also we we're so much more capable of expressing ourselves we're so much more um occupied with tasks and things and whether it's information or computers or tv or different people that we're talking to constantly that the mind is overwhelmed yeah and that how much time do you spend in the woods i spend a lot of time in nature well when you're there and you hear nothing i love it it's weird Oh, it's I a love weird, it. Like uh, there's a weird quiet to the to the mountains. Like there's a there's desert a, too. Yeah, I love it. And it also it's humbling because yep. it lets you know you ain't shit. Not shit. You ain't That's shit. That's why I love the desert. Yeah, I love it because it puts me in my place. Yeah, it's like everything in the desert has evolved to survive the harshest conditions on Earth, and everything there is either trying to kill you or will kill you. Yeah, and there's something about that that painful evolution that all the plants and animals had to undergo that just speaks to me and just even the harsh i mean it's like nine o'clock in the morning you're like it's so hot you're like i'm gonna die and it's also it doesn't care about you no this ecosystem has existed long before you were ever here and it's 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 all working together. The bugs are working with the lizards, with the snakes yep. and the plants and the, the little water that there is and the coyotes and all this shit is working together. Yep. And it's man maintaining this this system. But I love that. I mean, that's the thing that I, I feel like people are losing when they're looking down into these demonic boxes all day long mm-hmm. is that connection to um, 
you know, having your feet kind of being made of mud, but also made of stars, that famous quote I'm butchering. But we are made of stardust that we are part, you know, I'll look out at the stars and be like, what the fuck? I'm part of this. (laughs) I'm not even high. And I can experience (laughs) that trip of we aren't separate from I'm not looking at the stars. It's like I'm part of that crazy and we're all just, it's such a miracle that we're here in this time and space. Yeah. And it's such a wild trip. And we're, wa- and we have more than we've ever had in the, in the history of humans. And we're wasting it, tearing each other apart. It yeah. actually hurts my soul when there's a lot of wasted energy for that's sure. That's why when I see people, you know, when people are like, how, okay, little miss captain of the fence riding team, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should ride fences. I'm going to get you a t shirt that says captain, captain of the fence riding team. I'll wear it. <laughs> it's, and you are truly the captain. <laughs> listen, I'm, I don't, I'm not married to any of my thoughts. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's good to question everything, including yourself. Yeah. And And there's some thoughts like, hey, don't murder people. Yeah. Don't steal. Don't rape. Don't, you know. Don't like torture puppies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot lot of things that like real clear. Yeah. Don't drown old people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, yeah, there's a lot of like real clear ones. But but when it comes to whether it's uh, government or behavior or ideology or any of the things that we, we hold so rigid. I think it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous to look at things the way we look at things. We to have these um, n- non-pliable opinions. Yeah, yeah. And also connect all of our own feelings of importance to these opinions being valid. Yeah. Like, connect who you are as a person, like who your your value as a person, to whether or not the opinions that you hold are true. Yeah. So you will crazy. fight to the death for those opinions. Well, that so was so common. It's so common. That was like all the Trump supporters who were in yep. my comments. It was like I attacked them personally. Yeah, like yeah. I had gone to their house and personally <laughs> attacked them and their mom. Yeah. And told them that they were <laughs> shit. And like, you guys, you can't personally identify with politicians, are the biggest pieces of shit ever. They are. Trump's not a politician. That's why we like him. He's out like here to drain the swamp. I love it when He's they're like, swamp. we're not listening to Hollywood. I'm like, your, your hero is Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> you know what are you it's talking hilarious. about well that's hilarious when people call you hollywood like what does that mean no does it mean show business what no it's a, it's a, it's i just i feel like we deserve better yeah we definitely you know do. and this election <laughs> makes me feel like we definitely do we deserve and but, but we don't but you know we what? don't we deserve this because this is where we've left it yeah. we've left it to this like nobody wants to be fucking president there's a few people that you could get behind like tulsi gabbard that you go i just i think that's who she is i mean i, I don't think there's any bullshit there but there's very few of those the people that are willing to run for president this is the kind of people that are willing to do this because most of the people <laughs> most of the people that think about it, they go "Ooh, my fucking skeletons i have a friend of mine <laughs> that's funny but that's what it is i mean start- i was just thinking it would be a shit job and i would hate it and i would hate myself because i think by the time you get there in order to even maneuver you have to sell yourself out so many times that you don't even know well, you think about how many people are just waiting to attack anybody who's running for president yeah. and about the way they ramp up their their attacks and the, and the machine behind it. It's not as simple as like, I'm Joe Biden and I think Donald Trump's a fucking loser. Yeah. And so I'm going to say that. No, there's like a whole 
machine <laughs> with literally yeah, yeah. billions of dollars on yeah. the line because if our team gets in there then we can push our agenda right we can get certain bills passed we can get certain legislation through we can make sure that yep. certain regulations Stack the courts. yes and yep. it's, it can literally one way or the other impact corporations in this spectacular way yeah so they have to really really put a lot of effort into it so yeah. the idea that that we allow that that's that's where things get crazy like it should be it's almost like if you want to run for president you almost should have no help like no one <laughs> no it one should be like yeah. grassroots like they take you and they take away your phone and they, they they keep you in a hotel room and they just bring you place to place and no one gets to talk to you isn't that no aoc gets, though she's pretty grassroots or is, she has like a whole organization well, they, behind they have her, the tribe too. the justice what league or whatever themselves? the squad squad i call them the but tribe. they also have like the what's it what is it is it the like Democratic Justice League or something. It's like, <laughs> Some super friends. It's like the, it's a pretty socialist, yeah. I think, organization. Well, she's got a lot of people that also agree with her that are also in politics and they also work together and, you know, and, and then she's compromised some of her own democratic socialists of oh, America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't uh, wait until she's a Republican in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Well, you were telling me that you had read some of your shit from oh, when my you were God. 24. I'm going to find it for you. I just, it, <laughs> It is, it is like, it was a part of the book when I was waiting tables telling everyone to remember my name and drunk all the time. I was, um, I was super, uh, there was a whole part where I was talking about Bush. I didn't know anything about politics at all, but I was, I was just so, I was libtard. Yeah. <laughs> like the definition, by yeah. definition of what, what they, the right would consider a libtard. That was. Well, you weren't hardened yet by the world. I mean, I was pretty hardened. I had had enough shit up and pre prior to twenty three that yeah, uh, but you were still hopeful that these sort of airy fairy idealistic notions of you know what should be done with our culture and that that this would work and yeah. with no understanding of economics, None. no understanding of. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good to be that hopeful. I don't yeah. think you should go burn down government buildings and be like, yeah, let's tear it all down. But I think it's good to have that idealistic hope in your what is that famous quote? Like you're you're uh if you don't if you're not a Democrat in your twenties, you, you don't have a heart, and if you're not a Republican in your thirties, you don't have a brain or something like that, or you're not a conservative. Old, it's an old yeah, it's an old saying. If you're not a, a liberal as a youth, you have no heart. You're not a conservative. As you're older, you have no brain. I'm, and yeah. I'm not really either because you know I'm not socially conservative at all. Me neither. I mean, not that's where all. they. It's yeah. funny when people were like, "Oh, she's just a grifter. She's gotten red pills, and she's going to be on the right now." And then the right will start talking about porn or something. And I'm like, "Oh, thank God, I'm not one of them." <laughs> <laughs> or sex or whatever weird yeah. shit. Weird shit. Yeah. Or you know whether or not. I mean, you know th these ideas that. You have to be one or the other is where it's so stupid. Yeah. You can hold both things. Yeah. That is what we should be doing. We should be holding both things and evaluating them. Yeah. Well, it, especially it's really difficult for me when, when people want to restrict other people's ability to express themselves or, or do things, whether it's uh, 
you know, gay rights or uh, trans rights or civil rights or women's rights or anytime you want to stop people from doing something that literally has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know, like the gay rights one was, the, the, the gay marriage one was always weird to me. Like I've, when I was You're seven like, years cares? old, <laughs> I was seven years old. We moved to Florida and uh, I had this can- this uh, Cuban friend. His name was Candy, Candido. That was, his last name was Candido and they called him Candy. I love that. And, uh, uh, his dad was so mad. He had a newspaper. And he's slamming it down on the fucking table. And uh, we're like, what's the matter? He's like, they're going to let these fags marry each other. Oh, my gosh. He was, I was, how old was I? 11? Yeah, I was 11. Because I'd moved from San Francisco, so I was 11. And I remember thinking, what a fucking idiot. This guy's a grown man. See, I lived in San Francisco from 7 to 11. So I was like... I was right down the street from Lombard Street. Yeah, yeah. So we were around, like my next yeah. door neighbors, they would get naked. They were these gay guys. They would get naked with my aunt and they would smoke pot and play the bongos. <laughs> and that was my life when I was seven years old. So I was uh-huh. so used to gay people. Yeah. It was so normal for me. Yep. That being around this guy when I was 11, I was like, this is so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Because I, mo- I moved from, Flo- from uh, San Francisco to Florida. Oh, wow. Gainesville, Florida, which was so different dumb yeah in an apartment complex yeah. so it was like people weren't doing so good yeah. and they were so dumb yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was too hot yeah. it was too hot to be smart there's something i think about florida it's like god damn it's so hot down there you can't be smart it's hard it's hard you know that's but, fu- gone but i was just saying that like so i don't understand why people who are conservative like why why if you're fiscally conservative that makes sense if you're financially conservative if you believe in the second amendment you, you have all these ideas about rights mm-hmm. like we have rights but why do you give a fuck if people get married mm. like what I just you know Caitlyn Jenner when she transitioned was against gay marriage oh weird she's like I've always been more of a traditional girl what she was on Is the that Ellen true? oh yeah on the Ellen show Ellen on confronted Ellen? her Ellen confronted her oh. about it. Wow. And it was like, what? What What happened to all... What? That, that, what? I don't understand. What? <laughs> well, she's a Republican. Right. Is she and still? It, I don't know. But probably not. I don't know. But if you're... Repu- I think so, maybe. But it, when you're Republican, that's one of those things you're supposed to just they subscribe to. It seems like they've they've accepted that that's not a battle they're winning. Well, it's evolution of the culture like at a certain point in time like don't you know any gay people that are cool yeah like do you really give a fuck if they get married yeah marriage is dumb anybody (laughs) dumb enough to get married (laughs) should be allowed to give away after shit we were in arizona and this guy was talking about his daughter and he and she is gay and divorced and i was like oh i'm glad the gays know what divorce is all about now they're probably gonna regret fighting for that marriage thing (laughs) like they're paying for half an alimony they're like ah shit (laughs) melissa etheridge was on the podcast years ago and she's been married and divorced a couple times and she was telling me all these women she's got to pay alimony to uh, alimony to i go what's that all about she goes bitches are crazy (laughs) (laughs) and i was like oh you can say that Uh, only a gay woman has been divorced it's paying all these women alimony (laughs) and especially like it's not like she 
fucked them so hard they can never work again. Yeah. Like, no, you used to be in a relationship with a successful person. You're not anymore. Time to get a job. Yeah. No. <laughs> they can't. They can't. She licked their pussy so good, they're just confused. They yeah. can't even fill out forms. Ben. They can't work anymore. Whose stand-up is that? I'm accustomed to this. I'm accustomed. I think it was I think it's Chris, Chris Rock. Rock. Yeah, I think it's Chris right? Rock. Like, yeah, you got yeah, accustomed yeah. to things. I'm accustomed to getting my dick sucked. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I need pussy payments. That's what it was, right? Yeah. 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 I think yeah, about that a lot. It is a it's a look, I I think marriage is is great if you love someone so much you're willing to do something stupid. Yeah. And that's my situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I I just think it's you know, and it, it makes sense when you have family. It makes yeah. sense when you have children because the way I felt like I felt like having a child is way more of a commitment than anything financial. You you you're making a human being bring them in the world and you're responsible for them for at least eighteen years. At least They're now at it's least. like twenty five. Dude, I know people that are forty that live with their parents right that's- now. That's yeah, especially I mean, during COVID, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. We've, we've all become like European families. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's it's intergenerational. Well, you got to survive. Yeah, the, re- the reality is like it's not a bad idea to pool all your resources no. together and try to survive because, and help each other. Right, yep. because we really are at a crossroads. Yeah, like, like when when you realize it, re- it makes us realize how good we had it for so many years. When you know people, the the economy was booming, yeah. and people could be independent and out there supporting themselves. But then, when all that shit is literally cut in half, like you got to make do, you got to yeah. figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's better for people to be around other people. Yes, because all my friends who have been isolated, you know, people, it's way more open here. Oh yeah. But my f- friends in LA are losing their minds who have yeah. been alone because it's been going on like six months now. It is way more open here, isn't it? Yeah, way more open. That's it, why I love it. Yeah, it, it feels normal. Yeah, it does. It just right? feel you wear a mask. Go to a restaurant. Yeah, you go to yeah. a restaurant. It's crazy. Isn't it amazing? It's nice. It's nice. It yeah. made me. If it's been nice to just feel kind of what normal was. Retail stores are open. You go to a retail store, put a mask on. And LA definitely. Hard. I mean, it's when I was walking my dog in LA. Every single day, I have to avoid a crazy. There was a guy with a machete. There was, and then I walked out, and then I was two days. Every walk I go on, there's basically like a crazy homeless person, oh, a young woman who's out alone, and they're having some kind of breakdown, and um, it gets worse and worse every day. It's yeah. like it is deteriorating faster than I could have even imagined, and it it makes me mad because. The government doesn't give a fuck about me. They don't care about my safety. I'm supposed to have endless compassion for the homeless, and they don't care that there's a guy with a machete having a having a moment. Well, it's not that they don't care. They can't do anything about it. They can though. Their their only job is to keep somewhat keep me safe as a citizen. That is what they. If they, why am I paying taxes if they can't do that? This is why I'm like fuck you, California. You're, You're garbage. paying taxes to keep these. Uh, politicians fed okay they but need they money. need to make sure that i'm not getting attacked <laughs> yeah, uh, while i walk my dog but that's the problem with some some places big as la there's like a diffusion of responsibility thing that you get to when you get to numbers that are so high when you get to like 20 million people you know what is it? there's like a expression about how uh well, not an expression but there's an example about how when people see someone getting attacked like if there's only one person there and someone's getting attacked, you feel responsible to help. But if you're in a crowd and everyone someone's attacking assumes someone, everyone else. yeah, everyone assumes someone else is going to jump in, and nobody does anything. Yeah, but it's not. And nobody it, feels it's, responsible. It's been notably worse. You know, yeah. there there has to be something. People are paying 
tons of money. I was in Venice. I was in Brentwood. They, these people are paying millions of dollars in taxes. And they have encampments across the street from their house. There are kids playing. Yeah. It's not safe for no. it. You know, they're, they're, something has to. We were. It's interesting, too. I, <laughs> Jamie and I were talking about this because they, um, before, just the way... I don't even know if they know how many actual homeless people are there because I volunteered once to be part of the homeless count and that's how they count the homeless is volunteers who go through LA for like one weekend and count as many homeless people as they can. And do you write down what streets you're on? Yeah, and you you like go in little groups and- um, How many did you find? I didn't, I never, I was out of town that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> my aunt was like please don't do that but i i legitimately was out of town that weekend so i ended up not being able to do it but i was like oh cool this is how they count the homeless but that doesn't seem like a very good measure of how many their homeless people there are i bet it's probably like twice as many as it actually reports how are you getting yeah that's a lot of people Seventy thousand, they say now they think new york city has eighty thousand. Wow, they're just New York City. They just should be city. in LA. It's a way better pl- better place to be homeless. <laughs> yeah, LA is like tolerable. Well, because now they get under the underpass. Yeah, but during COVID, hot. they've loosened all those restrictions. So it used to be like you couldn't block the sidewalk. Yeah, and you couldn't with your. We saw somebody grilling a freaking like it was a huge fire on a grill on the side of the road. It was like a hibachi or some shit. Like when just. Having a grill in the middle, and there's women with their strollers trying to walk. It's it's madness. Oh, I don't know. So bad. And I have. That's the one. I feel like it's the one problem. If I could solve, I would focus on solving it because You'd focus it, on homelessness. Because it's such a crossroads of economics, mental illness, addiction. It's so many things abuse. that are abuse. I was watching a video about this kid. <clears throat> he was 28. And he's been homeless, literally on the street since he was nine years old. His, uh, he was in a car uh, with his mom. They were living in a car till they were 11. And then from 11 on, he was uh, on the street. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it was terrible. And he was talking about, I mean, he he had uh, no teeth. Like his front teeth were gone. He had his face reconstructed. His arm smashed. Somebody beat him up with a bat. He, uh, you know, had been sexually abused. He, it, yeah. he didn't have any socks. He didn't have any shoes. He didn't have anything. Yep. He had, you know, he talked about the, the, the small amount of clothes he had. And it was kind of weird because he was you know really for a person who has been homeless since and on the street in this horrible life since he was nine kind of seemed pretty together like mm-hmm. the way he was talking mm-hmm. communicating at mm-hmm. least in this video and um you know you realize this is the thing about people when when you, if you're mad at someone say if you're mad at someone for their behavior like say, say if you're if you're a gay person you're mad that caitlin jenner doesn't believe in gay marriage even though she wanted to transition and wants you to call her a woman now Instead of being mad, and I guess you could be mad at the idea, but I think what we really need to start doing is look like what what happened? How'd you get like what all what are all the things that took place in your life that you, that you turned into this right now? Mm-hmm. Like what are those things? You know, this is the the concept of determinism, right? This is the concept that there is no real free will. That right. Everyone is sort of an accumulation of all the experiences that they've had, their genetics, their life, mm-hmm. all the different factors that are out of their control, along with the decisions that they've made because of these factors and all your Luck. emotions and your mm-hmm. yeah genes and drug addiction and all these different things, and it brings you to this point. 
And I think this is the thing with homeless people that we need to take into consideration as well. Because when you see someone who's homeless and you're like, oh, this fucking loser. Oh, they're a drug addict. Oh, get them away from my house. The amount of undoing you have to have to take a 40-year-old person who's grilling in front of a house in Venice with uh, heroin tracks all over their arm and make them... A, 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 a reasonable contributor yeah, to society, yeah. a healthy person who can, you know, kind of do anything. And I know, I know. There's so much undoing. I have, I do have endless compassion, but on the other hand, there's a lot of entitlement. There's a lot of entitlement the, in the in the homeless community. There is, but they don't have anything. Like if you don't have anything, and you look at people who have things, look, this is one of the things you're seeing with uh, a lot of these riots. A lot of the looting and all the craziness, it's like haves and have-nots. Yeah, yeah. And the have-nots are like, these motherfuckers, how mm-hmm. do, why do they have this? Mm-hmm. Especially during COVID because everybody has nothing, mm-hmm. right? These homeless people don't have anything. They yeah. feel entitled because they don't have anything, and you do. And there's a weird thing that people people have this thought that if you have something and they don't have it, it's because there's an, an injustice and you have contributed to this injustice or you've caused this injustice. That's where the entitlement comes. And this is a it's a real problem in the way Americans in particular think about in particular think about economics. Yeah, it's resentment politics. Yes. It's all resentment. And you can get a lot of people to agree with you. Oh yeah. Because that... most people most people also don't have good things. Like I was reading this tweet from this girl who was talking about, um, you know, like we sh- we need to start going into the suburbs and going into these people's houses. Yeah. And then she wrote, "Eat the rich." Yeah, that's and a I, big thing right now. And I was like, "What? What are you talking about? What, so you're 24, okay? What What do you think is going to happen when you're 44 and you're one of those people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to be happy with that. You're yeah. going to be happy when you're tired because you've been working all day mm-hmm. trying to achieve a dream and mm-hmm. you're exhausted and you see these people outside your house. How the fuck do you have this house? How are you in that house all comfortable as fuck? Yeah. But we're out here. You know, yeah. I'm sure you've seen some of those people those too, right? Video, there was one video from, I think, Kenosha and this guy. I'm not sure if that's when it was from, but it, I, it just stuck with me. He was like yelling at the, they had smashed his windows and he was like, I have fucking mouths to feed. He's like, do you yeah. want everybody to vote for Trump? I have fucking mouths to feed. What are you doing? And yeah. like they'd smashed his, you know, people. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And so many, so many of the kids on the streets are truly kids, like. Yes. 17 yes children well, kid, like where are your parents we have a fucking parenting the problem the kid in the kenosha that wound up killing those are people. they all on instagram <laughs> <laughs> the parents are they're like yeah. yeah honey go have fun this motherfucker he's not liking my shit <laughs> resentment 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 <laughs> yeah we you know we have a lot of problems and there's a lot of us and uh we could all like we, we could all do with some house cleaning and compassion. Yeah. And, I think compassion yeah. for each compassion, other. Compassion. Clean up your own backyard. Get your life together. Do your best. Nobody wants to do that shit. Nope. They want to blame everyone. Exactly. Nobody wants to clean the shit in their front yard. Exactly. And not do drugs that are, <laughs> you know, they're spending all their money on. They want to go out and be like, the libs are ruining my life. Yeah. <laughs> or like yeah. burn down a fucking building. And it's weird how there's certain environments that just tolerate like homelessness and, and craziness. And then those folks find those environments, like Venice. Yeah. Like Venice is just a... Venice be- is... It's a breeding ground for it. It's crazy. There's just so much. It's such a... that It is really just so complex. I don't even know how you being But I don't... I do wonder why some... Obviously, some cities are doing things that 
where it isn't festering and yeah. exploding and some cities are. So why don't what are what are the cities that have it somewhat under control? Republican. What are they? <laughs> well, that's the are problem. They just busing them they're to busting, LA. <laughs> yeah, they're law and order people like like Giuliani was when, you know, he was the law and order guy. But where in New did York they City. all go? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what they do with them. I don't know how they help them. I don't know what they do. There was an Upper West Side thing recently where they had a uh, hotel and they had like 300 homeless guys living in this hotel, but then they started like jerking off in front of people and, you know, taking shits on people's cars and stuff. <laughs> and then de Blasio had to move them out. And now people are pissed off at him for taking these people out. And what, you know, it was really, it was mostly men, mostly homeless men. And what was really crazy was this article that was written about it was so distorted it was like homeless families are being relocated when their kids are just now going to school like first of what? all yes literally they, this is pulling at the heartstrings there's been a bunch of things they're doing lately to pull at the heart this but this was one of the most preposterous articles that i wrote, that i read one of them was they're calling they're now calling homeless people the unhoused no it's persons experiencing houselessness we're gonna get canceled for calling them homeless. no the unhoused <laughs> no it's persons LA experiencing Times, last week house oh it's up upgraded unhoused the unhoused <laughs> this was an article about uh people that were putting rocks under underpasses like when uh, homeless people had moved out of certain areas, they were going under these underpasses and putting these enormous rocks oh, so, so that people couldn't put tents in. Uh, and they were saying, do you understand what you're doing to the unhoused? These are the only places they can go to escape the elements. The reason why they go into that underpass, it's literally the difference between life and death. There, there is that. There, that's also somewhat of a myth because there is this... There are beds sometimes that go empty because people don't want to give up their drugs and weapons. Yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah. the idea that like, oh, these they don't have anywhere else to go isn't always true. Well, it's they're just, drug addicts, Bridget. You need to take a little bit more compassion when you're making these statements <laughs> because these people that are drug addicts, they don't know what to do. It is. It's and a, they need their drugs. You should it, let them just do their drugs. Does it feel like we're on the backside of... Uh, the empire? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like Rome right before it collapses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, one of the things that Douglas Murray said uh, when I interviewed him, I guess I don't interview anybody, right? I talk to people. Uh, <laughs> I should remember that. But when I was <laughs> talking gotcha. to Doug, he was saying that at the end of every empire, there's all these gender issues where hermaphrodites. Oh, really? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went into depth about it. It's like Rome and Greece. They always had this thing where like, they want to break down all the... Con there is no gender. There's no sex. There's it's no biology. Deconstruction. Deconstruct everything. And, wow. and they also they deconstruct all the... The norms, all of the norms of culture, and one of the more disconcerting ones is deconstructing pedophilia. Uh, like, that has been a, a, a constant one lately, where you, you're seeing uh, there's a weird pedo vibe everywhere. Well, you know that thing, that cuties. Gavin, oh, cuties is crazy. Okay, yeah, that's. I was talking about the the Gavin Newsom thing. Where oh, he, they passed yeah. that. Did that pass? Yes, it passed. He uh. passed and signed it, and they said it was a great victory for LGBTQ people. <gasps> what? Because before it was defined, this is how this is this is the the idea. I'm, I'm, I might be butchering it, but I'm gonna do my best. Before, if you had vaginal sex with a girl and impregnated her, and say like maybe you were 20 and she was 14, they didn't put you in a sex register list because they wanted you to be responsible for taking care of the baby that okay. you created. Uh -huh. So this was the idea. But if you had anal or oral sex with her. Then they would put you on the sex offender list. Uh, weird. Yeah. Well, it's because you're just being a pervert. 
right? You're just mouth fucking some 14-year-old as opposed to making a baby that you would then be responsible That's for. That's a weird line. So, okay, but this is why they they wanted to pass this law and this is why it would, for LBGTQ folks, whatever, gay people, whatever, is they wanted, they said, well, the, the v- vagina's not available to gay folks. Okay. Right, because these guys don't have a vagina. So if you're so saying fair. that a 20-year-old can have sex with a 14-year-old girl and not be put on a sex registered registry, how come a 20-year-old man can have sex with a 14-year-old boy and he is all of a sudden a sex crime? He's committed a sex crime. Okay. And they're like, this is not fair. So the idea is that it's in the judgment the judge gets uh, to decide. Okay. So I guess you're giving the judge the ability to decide one way or another. So you give them uh, the ability to discern whether or not this was someone who's in an actual relationship with a person who can commit, which is very weird. Right. Right. A certain person who can consent. So, but the problem with people had the they gave a ten year gap. So, uh, you know, like a. Like 14 you could to say 24. 14, 24, or you could say 10 and 20. Like, I don't know what it means or where what? it's where where it's defined. Yeah, that's weird. It's there's, crazy, that, but they're, they're is... only doing it because it already existed in that right, form right. for straight people. Right, okay. So it's not like there's, see, like we're looking at it like saying, oh, now you're making it legal for 24-year-olds to fuck 14-year-olds. Right, that's but not it's, what already, tr- it's already kind of like that legal. with straight people if right. they have vaginal sex. right. Wow, that's wild. It's wild. I didn't even know that that was not, you know, I, I don't know. That's I I thought it was like statutory. I think even, but I think if you impregnate, I think this is the idea. If the person's impregnated, the judge has the ability to not put them on the sex offender list so that that person can get a job. Right. So you can support your child. Right, right. Because Especially in impoverished areas, right? Right. That's... Yeah, yeah, the whole, uh, it seems like it's everywhere, the um, cuties thing. That's more Q-Anon. complicated than cuties. Cuties is, here's here's something crazy. There was a story in Atlanta where these uh, these guys had rescued 39 kids yeah. from sex slavery. I didn't hear a fucking word no, of that. No, nobody I heard about this. I saw 100 articles about Ellen being mean. Yeah, yeah. 100. Yeah. And I didn't see more than one it's a big, one day in and out of the news about these 39 kids that were rescued. Yeah, that's another one um, that is really... I was in a rest stop. It was like a truck stop on the way here. And they had the signs, you know, it's like, are you being human trafficked? And it, it they're in rest stops across America. And it's like, are you working against your will? Are you being forced to do... Set? I was like, shouldn't this be in like three other languages? Well, there was a story <laughs> Not recently just English. about a flight attendant. And there was a man on a flight with a young girl, and uh, the the young girl wrote a letter and oh, left, wow. it, left it in the bathroom. And the flight attendant got the letter and recognized that something was going. She was making eye contact with the kid. She knew something was wrong. And then upon landing, they uh, had police waiting. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So it's I mean th- that's another one where if, it's real. Yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah, human trafficking, trafficking is, and, and sex trafficking is terrifying. crazy, terrifying. Yeah, and crazy and crazy and hideous and odious and all of the all worst of things, things in yeah. the world and but then you have cuties which is like <laughs> what are you doing like, I, what are they doing i know that? i've seen the argument we that explain to people that don't know what the fuck cuties so is? cuties is that sh- it's a movie on netflix it's a foreign film it, i believe the director is french is she french uh, yes i was looking at the 
Atlanta thing. Oh, that's all right. Um, I just don't know that I'm correct about that. And it's it's supposed to be a movie about the ex sexual hypersexualization and exploitation of it's young young yeah. girl critics of cutie say the netflix film hypersexualizes a preteen dance troupe but director Ruha said monday that she is fighting the same fight in quotes they are to stop the exploitation of young girls so the way she stops it is by sexualizing them well i i guess that every, you know try saying her name say that name uh my my mona du Corre. Quick question. Yes. Do you remember the movie Kids? Yeah. I I do. Yeah. That was a pretty fucked up movie. Yeah, that was fucked, fucked up. Movie, up but that was about kids being wild, and and it was a, it was an actual movie about real kids. Yeah, but he's fucked up. That director. Yeah, is that director is really fucked up. There's another movie called like Thirteen about two thirteen year old girls a couple years ago. And they're like taking ecstasy and doing all sorts. But the of thing wild about shit. Kids is Kids was a documentary. No, it wasn't. no, those are all actors. Those are all actors. Wait, am I thinking of the same movie? Yeah, Chloe is in one in it, and like the yeah. But wasn't a, there one that was a documentary? It was filmed a little bit like, like a, documentary. a documentary, but oh. it wasn't. Oh, oh, that's right. That movie it starts with sex right out of the the opening scene. What year is but that? But it, it got a I lot. Saw of, when I was I got rented it from the library the library when it, I was in like seventh grade, sixth grade. Yeah, so like, I was oh, young too. Nineties. Okay, I I fucked up. I thought that was a documentary. That guy it seemed like it. Yeah. <laughs> But it got a lot of shit when it came out, didn't it? I feel I, like it was. I think it was. I, I think remember. I never saw it, and I think it was out pre-internet. I think. Oh, definitely sure, pre-internet. Yeah, like probably 94, 95, 94. Like that. Yeah, it was I'll fucked up. It. it was a fuck. Who's the, the director? Has done a lot Larry of other Clark. sketchy shit, right? Mm-hmm. What other movies has he done? Uh, Gummo was the other big one. Oh, that was a weird one. Ninety-five. Yeah. It made twenty million bucks. Hollow. Um, hmm. Yeah, that. But I wonder play. what the. I I remember. I feel like that was pretty controversial. Do you remember the movie? Was it called Happy? Mm-mm. Is that it? There was a a really fucking weird movie about this kid who finds out that their dad is a pedophile. Oh God, that would yeah, be horrible. Yeah, and the, the guy is. It's. I think it's happiness. Hap- happiness, and the 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 guy is kind of normalized in the movie, and it's like the kid is trying to. F- <laughs> My friends and I got into this on Twitter about the cuties thing, and and you know, I I don't know that those girls are old enough to decide to do that film, they're you know. Not. So it's that, they're and not. some of the warnings on it and stuff. Like yeah. I I don't even want to watch it. It just seems it seems um, I probably should, and just but I don't really want to for other just I whatever. It just seems, yeah, but. My, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like Netflix's problem. It seems more like a societal problem that we have. But and wait a minute, it's Netflix's problem to have it on their network. They have it on their network, but it's it's the it's like this writer Jane Coaston said. It's like the the thing adjacent she was like has anyone been to a dance recital because i was talking about like uh have you ever been to dance recitals like we had to do some fucked up shit when we were young kids like dress up and do the in the black and do the my the addicted to love and like leotards and red lipstick and i was little doing these dances and it, john benet that's yeah. a that's a whole fucking well, weird world joey diaz and i were uh in dallas once and uh, we were staying at this hotel. We were doing the Addison Improv. We were yeah. staying at this hotel where they had one of those things going on in the hotel. 
So there was a child beauty pageant in yeah, the hotel. Yeah, they're weird. It was fucking bizarre. They're it's one weird. thing to see it on TV, but to see five-year-olds in pumps with full makeup and yeah, blown out hair. Remember this from Bad Grandpa with the Johnny Knoxville movie a couple years ago? Where they like He had picked up his grandson and... I mean, it was fake, but they were also pranking people. So, like, it's not really fake. Right. They dressed right, up right. like a little girl, and they went and did this whole thing at the, and she starts doing that crazy dance and freaking everybody out. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is actually a little boy, if I remember correctly. I mean, that's right. This stuff is in our culture already. That's, and I think that's more uh cuties aside and whatever but that that kind of shit with little kids and those baby beauty beauty pageants yeah. like that whoever greenlit that <laughs> who's like yeah it looks good short skirt <laughs> stick your ass out nice high yeah. heels yeah it's go. weird it's, who said yes to that so that's that's my i guess my point is not necessarily my feelings about cutie are just from what i've seen i'm like no but i also think that this is in our culture and we need to examine that 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 this like the beauty pageants and the right you know and it's funny because i'll be like oh QAnon is crazy and not everything is about pedophilia and then you see a cuties you know preview and you're like oh <laughs> maybe there are tunnels under what what is it my friend said she's like my brother said there are tunnels there are tunnels under the getty or some shit for Ugh. human trafficking I don't think that's true, but <laughs> but there was a fuck island. Yeah. That was real. Yeah. And the fact that prominent politicians, well, he went 26 times, yeah. not a lot of times. Wow, you There's do a really great too. impression. There's uh, another fuck island? North Fox Island. Oh, I was never there. Michigan in the 70s. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, there was a, a darker, way darker story. Oh God! Oh, I don't even, yeah. way darker. Oh yeah. How can it get darker than Epstein? I I it's had to tape. like. It was all videotaped, and that's what. I mean, that's what I was. Have you seen the documentary? Well, when Epstein killed himself, case closed. I mean, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. Wow, you really do a great Phil Clinton impression. (laughs) I was watching the documentary. He's a good guy. Had a nice plane. (laughs) You know the fucked up realization I had watching that documentary is that I would have been one of Epstein's girls. Oh right. I was a fucked up 17 year old doing drugs. What does it say, Jamie? Jeffrey Epstein was accused of sex trafficking young girls on his mysterious private island over 40 years ago. A different millionaire escaped justice in a stunningly similar case. I, you know, um, I had a conversation with um, Eric Weinstein about this, and he he had a very, um, I think, accurate perception of it. He said, I believe there are people who help curate experiences for high-profile people mm-hmm. who can't get these on their own because mm. it's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes along and normalizes it and lets you know, it's okay, I got you, and that everything's fine, mm-hmm. and this is how we do it. And that this person, in Epstein's case, turns out to be intelligence. You know, that was the... Uh, that that was the um, accusation that... Who was the prosecutor that had to release him? He was told... Acosta. Uh, what's his name? Acosta. Acosta was told uh, it was above his pay grade and that this man was intelligence. And so he had, he had to let him go because he was a part of the intelligence community. So someone told him to let this guy go. What? Yeah. And so when, when he got arrested the first time, he got like a ridiculous sentence where he's allowed to go back to his house. Right. He only had to be in jail during the day. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Or he had to be, go be in jail at night and then had to be at his house during the day because he was working. Remember this so, too? He stumbled, like this came out two years ago? That's right. Sasha Baron Cohen says he turned over disturbing Who is America footage to the FBI. Cohen says his show nearly helped the FBI expose a pedophile ring in Las Vegas. They're uh, doing what you're talking about. Yeah. 
providing experience. Someone was saying, look, we can we can help you. We can get oh, you these things. Oh, God. And this is what's terrifying. What's yeah. terrifying is that if, if, if there can be an island that is literally curated and run by an intelligence agent who's bringing in prominent celebrities and politicians and even scientists from all over the world to this place where they're having sex with underage girls and we all know about it. And then the guy gets killed and then, oh, he just uh, hung himself. Oh, he hung himself? Yeah. And then you get a Michael Baden, who's a famous autopsy doctor, says, no, these, these injuries are inconsistent with hanging and they're very consistent with someone being strangled in the position that he's, he's choked down. It's not where someone has ligature marks. If they're, right. Yeah, all, all the things that point to the fact that he was murdered. And months later, like, anyway, whatever, hey. 24-hour news cycle. Donald Trump's a bad person. We need to get rid of him. Keeps moving. And meanwhile, Ghislaine, yep. I, she doesn't go to. She doesn't even go to trial until October. Yeah, yeah. The, is she even arrested? Where's she at? Yeah, oh, where is where she? Where is that lady? Is this the story that went away? No, it's so it's so weird how it just all gets. She was like, in a house in New Hampshire waiting. Magically disappears by herself, chopping wood. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting. Like, what are you doing? Like, they arrested her in a house in New Hampshire. She bought a house, like, in the woods. She thought she could just be out there. Didn't even change her hairstyle. Oh, wow. How about when she was on, she, they took pictures of her at In-N-Out, reading a book about uh, CIA agents who have been killed? Oh, my God. She, remember that? You ever seen that? She, no. she had a photo shoot. Oh, my God. At In-N-Out in L.A. Yeah, there was a photo shoot where she was still on the loose after Jeffrey Epstein was killed, where she was like sending messages to people. So here she is, like clearly posing, and the book, powerful uh, in and out commercial, by the way, made people hungry. Yeah, it was posed so you could see the book, and the book was about CIA agents who've been killed. Where, where's, is there uh, yeah, a... Uh, you could see the, the, like, the book spine on one dog. of these pictures. Yeah, one of the pictures... There's many pictures. Yeah, like, I didn't know there's actually more than I thought there was. Yeah. But yeah, they did a lot of sleuthing to figure out, like, there's terrible photoshopping done on the photo. Wow. Is there? Yeah, oh, that's like that. that. So this photo was taken at a time that, like, there's this uh, this Good Boys movie was a Seth Rogen movie right. that came out. Oh. They're like, if she was there, that would have been, like, this week, and they looked in that company and said they never actually had that poster there, but that looks like it was actually there, so. Wow. There's a lot of confusion around why this even happened. Wow. So where is... Th- what is, is that in the she, lower right-hand corner? Is that showing what the book is, where the arrows are pointing? That's showing that where right she there? sat. Someone went to that in and out. Oh, so oh. that's where she, she sat. Here, Where's right? the book? I'm trying to find it. Oh, okay. It's so messed up. I, it's so crazy. That's, I, I mean, I was I had to stop watching the documentary because it's so it's it's as dark as it gets. How about when Trump when they asked Trump about it, he's like, "I wish her well. <laughs> I wish her good luck." Is it very unfortunate? <laughs> What are you talking about? Are you saying you you wish the the lady who's accused of sex trafficking underage girls you wish her luck? You it wish her me, well. All these guys are it. All of them. Ugh, that like level of being is so gross. I what? feel like everyone in that fucking circle is disgusting. Well, and I think back then you could be disgusting, and there wasn't any consequences for it. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and you when you think of what it must have been like. To be a politician like in the Kennedy days. Right. right? <laughs> just open lane. <laughs> you can just do no cars you want. on the road. Nobody does anything. Nobody yeah. tells you to stop. No. Nope. You could do whatever you wanted. Get your dick sucked in the in the pool. Yeah, you could do that while people were watching. Yeah. Like no one cared. Yeah. Now it's uh, crazy. Like yeah. the press would not 
talk about his affairs that they all knew. Yeah. It was like, a, how amazing. Yeah. What a strange shifting of attitudes. And yeah. how did that ever exist in the first place? If you're the press and literally your your whole job is to tell stories and you've got this crazy story that you keep it under wraps. I see it all the time, though. I see it all the time. But the, the Kennedy thing wasn't even a good cover. Remember when Marilyn no. Monroe sang at his birthday party? Yeah, but every time someone gets Me Too'd, everyone's like, eh, we knew about it. and And whatever. And I don't know if it's just industries protect their own or if they're like everyone in the industry is like, ah, I kind of knew that was coming. You know, you'll hear like these stories of, of, of uh, I just feel like it, it might be like politicians. They protect each other. I feel like in every, every industry, whenever somebody gets outed, there's there's um, some sense of like, ah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Well, when the Kennedy thing was uh, was happening, what's really fascinating is if you apply that same logic and thought to his assassination, no wonder why there's so many conspiracy theories. Yeah. Because if if the intelligence community really decided to whack him, and you don't think they could have got away with it, he's yeah. fucking people left and right. That documented. And he got away with that. Documented. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah the, documented. That's the problem I have. With Not just the... him. A lot of people back then. Yeah. M MLK. There was a whole uh, thing written about him the other day. <laughs> yeah. But this this idea that they could have never gotten away with this murder because people would have talked. Like, no, people didn't talk about anything no, back they then. Didn't. <laughs> of course they could have got away with his murder. And especially if they, you think they're going to kill you. And then if you go and look at how many people who are witnesses who did wind up dying in really suspicious ways, it's fucking bonkers. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. that were there for the Kennedy assassination that wound up dying, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts how many of them like committed suicide, parked their car in front of a train, like all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the, there's... The whole world was dark back then. It was dark. I, I think it's always been dark. Yeah. But I mean, I think like... This whole sex trafficking thing, this seedy underbelly of the world thing, I think back then it was way worse. And I think Probably. there was no way of exposing it. Well, yeah, they all just got whacked, I think. Yeah, and I think yeah. it was like a normal part. It was probably, like when you think of things like skull and bones and all these weird little like these clubs and these secret societies. Yeah, yeah. Remember when Kennedy, did you ever hear that Kennedy speech about secret societies? No. <laughs> Never heard it? Oh, my God. He talked about how secret societies are repugnant. And this is before he was murdered. You know, Kennedy was, like, uh, vehemently against, like, the CIA mm -hmm. and the NSA and all mm -hmm. this. And he, he made this public speech about secret societies. What does it say? The president and the press addressed for the American newspaper. You he can play that. Weird See if you can play it because it's, it's, it's really powerful to hear his voice and to know and that this guy... Killed. Yes. Well, listen, there's a lot of reasons to think that he was probably killed by the intelligence community. Oh, that's us. <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> it's already up. You can go watch episode yeah. 1400 with Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah. I had <laughs> The Golden it's, Pony. It's a it's a here, listen to it though. It's it's very bizarre. It's a very bizarre um statement because Why? You think Would about you make it? Today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, what? to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment 
of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. Wow. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning wow. to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. Dude. He's trying that to warn I, us. He's trying to warn us about exactly what's Patriot happening. Patriot Act. Patriot Act 2. He's trying to warn Edward Snowden hiding in Russia. Trying to warn us. He really was. Yeah. He really was. We didn't listen. They no, killed him instead. They whacked that dude. <laughs> we did listen. We listened. We know, we know now to shut our fucking mouths. Yeah. We're both going to be dead in <laughs> 24 well, hours. Yeah, you get away with more shit back then, just like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a weird time because some, some of the stuff, you know, I have very conflicting feelings about some of the stuff that comes out. I think it's good that a lot of light's being shined on it. I also hate that people don't get due process. So yes. there's like a very strange... We live in a very strange time for this where, great, more stuff is being revealed, although we seem to forget the stuff that's actually proven, like Epstein, in five minutes. And then there's stuff that's not, you know, it, it, people are being destroyed and have no no access to due process or anything and even and there's no way to defend themselves well the stunning thing about the epstein thing is that the mainstream media has let it go yeah completely you would think that and they barely even really covered it it wasn't even something they that had I, to it's almost like they covered it like there was a enough. cursory mention yeah like they had to they yeah. had to mention it otherwise they'd be complicit right yeah yeah it's a it's a weird that seems like it should be a way bigger deal and be much more covered and investigated. And thank God for those amazing reporters down in Florida who did yeah. all that investigative journalism. The woman, I can't remember her name, but she she's really responsible for like yeah. staying on that beat. And yeah. I just I I think this is why I feel um, even in LA during the riots, like the local journalism was amazing. They were doing great work. They were on the ground. They were interviewing people in real time. And part of the reason I see so I hate all the division and all of the it's like that death of local journalism, which yeah. has contributed to so much of just nobody really knows anything. Well, that's I've been real forgiving of people writing clickbaity articles. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I tell people like journalists are fighting for their life right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're very important to me. It's very yeah. important to me that there's people that are willing to get the word out. Yeah. And willing to explain what's happening. And some of them are forced to write some bullshit articles with clickbaity titles because they have to stay alive because no one is buying newspapers. No. And it's, it's not, um, generally, it's usually a calling. I think my true journalists, they're usually called to do it. They can't let go of a story. They want to find my biggest, again, this is another weird issue, place where we're in is, I call it journalism, and it's activism masking as right, journalism. Exactly. And I and that is where I feel like the the press is, this is where they're losing their credibility because they're not being honest. Right, there's no one, well, there are some, but there's very few who are unbiased, who well, are just telling are. you the facts. Well, they are. They're mostly working in local journalism at yeah. rags that are being canceled, bought out, bought up by bigger yeah. things. And and so you have the people who are kind of activists and they're journalists or pr practicing journalism, and that's damaging 
to all journalists because now you're undermining what your job is to do, which is present facts yes. and present evidence and present and chase down leads and not have your own opinion about things. Have, right. you know, discover something as more evidence is presented to you and always be checking yourself. Well, th my hope is that through this, independent sources will emerge. Like you're seeing that with some independent political sources, like you're seeing like whether it's uh, the Jimmy Dore show or Kyle Kalinske or Rising on the Hill, all these people that are not beholden to any one party yeah. that are talking about politics. I'm hoping we're going to see that with everything. Yeah. And that these these people with these biased perceptions and you know journalism, as you call it, which is a great word, that they they're going to because of their own faults, open the door for independent people that are not connected with these yeah. things, that do have a calling, but that recognize that there's a real, you're, you're hindered if you're connected to some machine. I think this is why people are so confused right now and lost. And I hear this from these letters I'm getting, to letters from the politically homeless. And they're saying, what happens a lot is they'll get red-pilled by the mainstream media. They recognize, kind of, I think Malice talks a lot about this and just recognizing the idea of the cathedral. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Brilliant. And just the idea of the cathedral um, that isn't his idea, and I can't remember who he always attributes it to, and re realizing there's a narrative and there's an agenda that's being pushed. And once they open their eyes and see that, they'll, it's, there's not much of a stop on the way to, and now why isn't Biden fighting against pedo wood? You know, there's right. like, a, you're just like, <laughs> suddenly you're like mainlining. Yeah. You've gone from taking a red pill to like snorting them <laughs> and mainlining it. And now yeah. you're QAnon. Yeah. Because I'll hear these people who are start out very reasonable, like, oh, the left got crazy. I got a little disillusioned. I started going down the rabbit hole and then there's really not much because they, people don't know what to believe. All of the confusion, oh, you can protest, you can't protest. You can wear masks, you can't wear masks. The, there's no credibility. Every system, and this is generally in societies when you see this kind of breakdown of society, is when people lose faith in the people who are governing them, the experts. You know, you have epidemiologists who are like, racism is the real vi the real virus like that's not the way viruses work you know when you when you're saying these things to as a scientist how are you expecting people to take you seriously when they've stopped their fucking lives for you well did you see what the the un's quote was about the pandemic no. that it revealed that the patriarchy is oh, a gigantic God. problem yeah, and, the then, and then you they were blaming it on the patriarchy. <laughs> and you have all of these <laughs> these institutions that yeah. are falling in line with this. So people are they're stumbling in the wilderness and yes. then they're online. And then they're virtue signaling and then they're they're in these echo chambers and then they're going to war with anybody who disagrees and then they're they're demanding compliance. But it's easy for it to people the thing that concerns me is if you are a person, you know, I have to check in with myself when I'm like if I feel like I'm saying, fuck you, I'm voting for Trump, like that is, <laughs> that is being radicalized. You know, right. I, that is the process of radicalization happening. I understand it. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that it's I can. There's a lot of people doing it. 
but it's completely emotional. If you're like, it this is guy is... <laughs> some, for some people, it's not. Some people think that well, yeah. what's more dangerous than anything is woke politics. Yeah, yeah. That's Tim Pool. Yeah. Tim Pool is like, the media's lying to us. The, they're, they're gaslighting us. And I think that this whole woke bullshit is more dangerous than anything. And he's gone like full MAGA. <laughs> I'm like, wow. But see, that that is something that I would check in with myself about because if you were here and now you're here um i understand and i think this is why we live in one of the most interesting times in american history ever because there's so much migration literal migration you sitting here is a perfect example of that and political migration ideological migration my inbox is evidence of this People from the center going left to right. People from the right coming left. People from the left coming right. It's fascinating. I mean, it's going to be studied for hundreds of years if we have a future. (laughs) You're totally right. You're totally right. It's just a fascinating time in our our history. And I think that people, um, we have to give each other space to realign a little bit. But what is worrisome to me is in the absence of anyone to trust, so journalism, journal, many journalists have abdicated their role. Um, many politicians are, well, they're all just shit, basically. Um, <laughs> sending a populist message to the people. Like, I don't understand the worship at all. They're, in the absence of all of this, where do people turn? You know, they're turning to people like you, for instance, because you're willing to have conversations with many different kinds of people across across the spectrum so they can maybe you know in order to read the news now i'll see a a, a click i'll see a headline if it confirms my bias i'm like i better double check that you know i <laughs> yeah, i good. immediately i'm like okay double check that but that's because you're smart but this Most, is how everyone should consume yeah. the news but i understand why they don't because it's like okay and then i read a quote well that was now i have to go listen to the whole Okay, that was completely taken out of context. Yes. Now they're citing a study. Now I have to go read the fucking study. I have to, I end up with all the go to all the source material. Yeah, you have to just go to the source material always. But that takes it'll take me an hour to read one article and figure out like what's actually true in that article. Yeah, Who, no one has that time. It's easier to be like, I hate this. Exactly. Mad. Yeah, that's uh, that's what most people do. They they find something that confirms their bias. And then they read only those things that that exist in their little echo chamber. But you should be seeking things that you know push against your bias. I was having a conversation with a person, a person, a friend of mine, a person, a person, a, a friend of mine who happens to be a person. <laughs> Houselessness. Yeah. No, how, how the unhoused. The unhoused. Uh, and, Sounds uh, like a horror movie. I, she was asking me about um, UFOs, and I said my main problem with UFOs is that I want to believe. Yeah. My main problem. My main problem with all this evidence, like it seems real, it seems real, it seems real, but the problem is I want to believe. Right. And whenever I want something to be real, I go, ooh. Probably double check that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have fucking, to. You mind fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the right way to that's how you can avoid making an ass out of yourself online and sharing something that's not real. Yep. Like pretty much video, I will not share it. I see so much video getting shared by people who are independent journalists that is cut weird, it's edited weird, it's not true. You end up, and they're, you know, people, everybody on the internet, I always make fun of this on Dumpster Fire. I'm like, everyone's, I hate this new season of Law and Order where there's a murder every day in real time, and then the internet is like a sleuth figuring it out. They're like breaking it down frame by frame. See, this is like, thanks guys. Like the police on the ground, I and detectives probably have this handled 
Thank you for your... Well, sometimes, though, they do find people. Like that guy, before he did the interview with Vice <laughs> and exposed that he's the one who killed the MAGA supporter. Yeah. They found him. They found him because of a tattoo on his neck, and they had identified him. People, just randos that were like looking at sleuthing photos. online? Sleuthing. Yeah. They actually, they actually found <laughs> No, but them. I believe that there's some use in that, but it just seems like there's also probably more misinformation that gets spread that way than yeah. actual facts. Yeah. And it's that old quote, like the lie spreads faster than the truth, mm-hmm. you know, ten, around the world before the truth gets out of bed or whatever. The lie, a lie will go around the world before the truth gets out of bed. That's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. And in this kind of environment, and then everybody's, I'll, you know. And then you I, got Russian troll farms and Chinese <laughs> yeah, troll farms. Yeah, you have Russia and, logging in at 9 a.m. Oh, my God. It's madness. I love it. And I don't know where it uh, where it ends. There's no map of the territory at this point. But like, it starts with us. That's what I'm saying. It starts with the individual. It starts with people recognizing that they're biased, re- learning to consume news in a more intelligent way that's reasonable, checking fact-checking things. And it starts even before that with improving yourself. Yeah. Getting control over who you are. Like, think of what you've done. Overcoming hypochondria, kicking Heroin drugs and alcohol. <laughs> all the craziness yeah. that you've, you've gotten through. Yeah. That's what's led you to be this critical thinker that you are today and this strong person. The problem is we're asking people to be strong when they're not. We're asking people who are f- there right now, who they are, is not capable of doing these things we're asking them to do. Why, Because though? of all the experiences they've had in their life. That's no excuse. But no, no, no. It's, it is not an excuse, but it is a fact. Like, who they are is they're, they're so accustomed to behaving and thinking in a certain way that it takes a radical shift right. to rethink this. And they can... They can do that. They can act in that way and rethink the way they live their life, but they have to be severely motivated. Right. To change is so hard. Well, and then there's so much, you know, so say you are, so you radically shift your ideology online. And I've, I've experienced this just not shifting my ideology, just not censoring. Then you get swept up with all the likes from, you get, it's reinforced with dopamine of like, oh, if I say this thing, this thing does well. And that's again, asking a lot for people to work against. You have to actively be like, okay, now what am I not saying again? Because I'm worried I might piss off my new audience who's embraced me. You know, I would ask anybody who's gone from the left to fully to the right, like, what are you not saying now about things that you're noticing on your new team that you've this joined? This weird thing when people do completely, as a grown adult, <laughs> shift their ideology. I'm always like, oh, did you? <laughs> oh, did you? Or were you always wishy-washy? Were you mm-hmm. always full of shit? You know, and, and to be rigid one way or the other is just so strange. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah, I, I guess I... I I can attribute my shift to paying attention and being thrown into the culture war. And I don't even feel like my actual values have changed so much as the culture has changed around me. Yeah. Most of what I believe about free speech, yeah. you know, rights, the, the right to have jobs and work how you want to, which I push back all against all the time in California, what they're doing there. And well, they and had a, you know how they had to fight that gig society. That, maybe five. I told you about it the last did. time I was here. They had a fight with it about stand up comics. They were going to try to include stand up comics. Yeah. In that. The comedy store actually was at the head of that. Yeah. Yeah. They actually fought and, and won and got comics uh, reclassified. But there was an issue where certain people were not going to get booked because 
these arenas, yeah. these venues rather, we're going to have to employ them. Yeah. And they're like, we can't afford to give you health insurance when you do a fucking stupid one woman show here. They're trying to pass a national version of this called the PRO Act. And this Who's is trying to do this? The Democrats. They That's already so passed crazy. the House. That's so crazy. They're, and it's a, it essentially would categorize independent contracting and it would put give it the same label that it has in California and under AB5. people like you who write yep, articles for yep. a bunch of different publications. You'd have to be an employee of each or of those Or join a union. That's what they want. It's like you're either going to have to join a union, you're either going to have to work for the government <laughs> or join a union or go get employed, but people work gigs. Be, you know, most people are adults. They can understand the cost-benefit analysis that they're making. They can say, I might not have great health insurance but i have the freedom to work as an uber driver when i want to i can log in when i want to i can clock out i can take an hour break i can do whatever the fuck i want on my time and i i understood when i was waitressing that i could have gone and got worked in a corporation i could have probably gone and got a job anywhere and had good benefits and i would have had to clock in at a certain time and clock out and probably play the game and not say things that i want to say and I understood that I would have to take a riskier path and I took responsibility for that. Now, I think that some of these companies do need to be held accountable in terms of how they treat their workers. How much they pay their how workers. How much they pay yeah. their workers. And it is true. I don't I'm not here to defend Uber because they do I mean, even just talk to any Uber drivers, they've, you know, lowered their rates and it's harder for them to make money and it's all so they're not exactly Perfect, but you can't take agency away from people who are choosing to work as a gig person and and not maybe join a union or go work at a job. And this is why I can't, you know, this is something that people should be calling Biden out on because he's come out many times in support of this. Do you know how gross it would be if comedians had a union? Disgusting. Could you imagine no. what fuckwits <laughs> would be in control of that union and how how many shitty comics yeah. would go to the head of that union? Mm, yeah. Because yeah. they don't have any power or agency in their comedy career. Yeah, so it would they be would, like a huge HR department. <laughs> it would be the worst comics with the shittiest ideas of what constitutes comedy. Yeah. And they would probably start censoring people. Yeah. It, all of it is we should be able to work where we want and how we want. That's Especially someone like you who writes articles rights. for a bunch of different, like all of a sudden you would have to be in a union and pay dues? Well, people, so one of the women that I'm friends with had to leave LA because in many single, this and it always hurts the people they say they're trying to help. She was a single mom and she had... Um, you can't work. You couldn't write more than like thirty articles a month. Most people who are freelance are writing thirty articles a week if they can. You know they're cranking these things out in there. And if you are a company, for instance, you now have to employ that person. And so companies based in D.C., if you're writing for a political, whatever it might be, they were saying we can't work with you because you, uh, we would have to fall under the laws of AB five and either hire you. Or um, that's it. And we're not going to hire you. This is a perfect example of where you can be fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Right. And you don't have to agree with, you don't have to like uniformly agree with everything that's on your side. And this is, this is one of those. This is a conservative viewpoint that I completely agree with. Give people freedom. Yeah. Especially with what we do, whether it's a comic or a writer 
or yeah. you do both. But th- that kind of shit is crazy. Yeah. The idea that you would have to be you like forcing people to join unions is insane. Yeah, and there if you really, I encourage people to read the Pro Act bill and to try and figure it out again. Go to the source material. Don't just listen to me. Go research this stuff. There's some stuff that I think most people are like, okay, that's a little reasonable. But the problem with these bills is that they try and cram in as much crap as they possibly can. And so you, there's, um, it would make it so that you could, there's, it's just, it's very pro-union. And I, again, don't have anything against unions, but they shouldn't have all of the power. You know, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be forced to join a union in order to work um, as a comedian or a freelance writer. Or, and it, it hurts so many people. It hurts sign language, people who do translations. It hurt. Um, people who work as independent drivers, pro, you know, personal assistants, like the, it was an endless, there's a whole website devoted to stories from people from hundreds of different. Why did they pass it? Because the woman who did is an insane person. I mean, this, I think it's part of the reason that um, Elon's probably going to bounce out of there too, because I don't know that he uses, I'm not sure, but I, I'm not sure that he uses union people in his factories, um, I could be wrong about that, but I know that part of her beef was with Elon and Uber and these big corporations. But when you look at who's funding her, which I love doing is following the money of all these people, it's like all the labor unions. So she's uh, in the pockets of these people and she she will post something and then people will be in her mentions like, please don't do this. You're hurting us. You're hurting us. You're hurting your constituents. Her name's L- Lorena G- Gonzalez. You're hurting and she'll just take her, her um, the ability for anybody to reply to her. I'm like, what kind of fucking representative are you that you are saying I'm helping people? Your people are like, you're hurting us and she's like, mutes all replies. Like, you actually don't care about your people. You're just posturing and saying that you do. And in fact, you're just in the pocket of unions and pushing a bill that most everyone in the state, I mean, Uber and Lyft are going to leave California, not like leave, take their headquarters, like no Uber or Lyft in California because they couldn't comply with the whole freaking business model of Uber is independent contractors. And Lyft, that's the business, that is the business model. That was the whole plan. That's the whole thing, the deal. And you're trying to say, no, you need to employ these people. What is California going to look like in 10 years? <sighs> is it going to be Mad Max? It feels like Mad Max already a little. I mean, it does a little, especially now fires, that it's on fire. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so, it's heartbreaking what's happening to some of the cities. It just, I believe that there will be a resurgence. I think whenever the cities empty out, artists move in and weirdos and they're like, woohoo, opportunity. So I, I believe in the creative, especially in New York. It's like people yeah. are like, New York is dead. I'm like, it's, it's not dead. You know, the, well, I hope they're right. I yeah. hope so too, but people still live there in the 70s, even though it was violent. It, I think LA has more problems than New York does. LA yeah. is just one earthquake away from being a, a dead man's land. Yeah, no, I don't want to be there for that. Because when the, if the earthquake hits, you think there's a mass exodus now? Yeah, and yeah. The mass exodus now is about freedom. Yeah, that's most of it. It's about freedom, and and then the the worry about taxes because they're talking about raising taxes. They to didn't. 16. I think that fell. 
That didn't pass. Oh. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that, that even that was too crazy for California. Was that, or is that the wealth tax? They were thinking about the wealth tax and then, oh, the I wealth don't know. Tax, the wealth tax is something they were going to- That from, died. Yeah, that, that was the most ridiculous proposal of all time. Biden's talking about that today, though. Is what? it the said, same tax, the California tax? Down, it said like if you make over $400,000 a year, nothing, or excuse me, like under nothing will change, tax the wealth. Or tax the wealthier stuff. Over four hundred thousand. Well, the thing about the California one, Peter Schiff talked about it. It's it's so it was so crazy that ten years ago, if you had left ten years ago, you'd owe money, and then yeah, for, if you leave <laughs> yeah. now from ten years on, they could get money from you. Yeah, that's so. If you leave today, you owe money for ten more years. It's so ridiculous. How do you even enforce that? You're just criminals. You're, you're crim- just stealing. You're stealing. You're stealing. Yeah, yeah. it's it's shameless yeah. stealing. And you know the idea. Uh, Tim Kennedy uh, was on the po- here. It is. If you make under $400,000 a year, this is Joe Biden, you will not, by the way, he didn't write this, you will not pay a penny more in taxes when I'm president. The super wealthy and big corporations will finally pay their fair share and will invest the money in working families. We're going to reward work, not wealth. No, you're not. No, here's the thing that drives me crazy. Where the biggest wealth, is, I believe it's California that has the most wealth inequality in America. They have done nothing to help the middle class. They've eaten the middle class completely. All my friends who are my in my age or a little younger in their 30s, they all had to leave and go buy a house. And they left years ago because they're like, it's too expensive for us to try and get ahead and have kids. And these mom and pops that are getting destroyed, nobody they don't give a shit about the middle class or the working class. And so every you're seeing tons of homeless people are unhoused and tons of people who are absolutely loaded. I can't, where, how am I going to, you know how much money it would take for me to buy a house in LA for a down payment in my neighborhood, 1300, 1300 square feet, $250,000, like a quarter of a million. You're looking at me like, that's not that much money. It's <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> you're like, what's the problem, Bridget? Um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of fucking money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. It's not. I get it. There's no. I'm detached, but I'm not detached. There's. I still understand it. There's no pathway f- upward for the middle class in places like New well, York. Don't, don't or you think when LA? places get really big, though, it's almost they're unmanageable when they get really big, and they're always when they're really big, they're always de- run by Democrats. The, yeah. The really big cities are always Democrat run for whatever strange reason. I mean, Detroit's a good example of what happened. You know, yeah. that that was a thriving city. Yeah, but that was different because then th- that was when they shifted the, uh, the yeah, that auto was the industry. Auto. Yeah, and yeah. there's no... Detroit was one of the richest cities in the world. Yeah. Yeah, they but fucked that up. Globalization. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was one of Michael Moore's best movies was about Flint. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, about how I never saw Flint, it. Michigan... Um, what was it called? What was his first movie, the big movie that put him on the map? Michael Moore. Was it the climate change Roger, one? Roger... Roger and me, Roger and me, yeah. It was all about the guy who was the head of GM, is that what it was? Where he was uh, trying to contact him to figure out why you're moving jobs out of the city and do you, do you understand what you're doing to this place? And that was Ben, he was a real populist. Yeah. You know, and it's funny how he became a villain when he had this movie criticizing the industry of climate change. The industry behind climate change, and everybody's like, "You piece of shit!" It's like, hey, I thought I was one of you guys. Like, everyone's canceled. Everyone I know everyone's canceled. canceled. It's when we were driving around, and our tour guide, our little Sherpa, who was showing us around, he he was like, 
showing us all these amazing little old Austin places that are closed because of COVID and will probably never open. And they've been there since like 1938 and all the, and you know, we were saying like, if I was a philanthropic billionaire, I would buy all these little mom and pops and help keep them alive because they're the lifeblood of these cities. And they're also just the, that's what kills me is like, I hate seeing this, this, coffee shop that's been there since forever closed and there's a starbucks next door and like they're fine yeah that it just kills that that is where i want austin is all about these little small independent places independent restaurants independent businesses that's one of the things that i really love about it yeah it's one of the things that attracted me to this place in the first place i'm hoping that new ones will rise and take their place that's that's the hope is we that need, the ethic of this community. We need a a more robust middle class. You know, if I that's yeah. what we need to cultivate in California. If you want to try and fix California, that's where you start. How do you help people who are living in the one hundred to six hundred thousand dollar a year range, or even less, sixty thousand? Because yeah. you can't. What is their pathway up? Yeah. Especially now. Right? Yeah. How do you help? How do you help them? Because that's where. Uh, that's where that's what what holds the center. Bridget, why don't you run for president? <laughs> Thank you. You'd be able to nail it. A dumpster maybe fire. Maybe we should. Maybe we should both run. No. Hey, yeah. No. No. Yeah. But I'll support I'll you. I'll be your veep. No. 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 I'll, I'll support you. I don't want to be president. I can be your you veep. Do it. Come on. You'd be first woman president. <laughs> um, Kamala Harris would be the first woman president if, if Joe Biden wins with her Timbas. Yeah. Because he ain't gonna make it. Yeah. <laughs> with the Timberlands. All right. Uh, we did three hours. We saved. More. Oh, really? More three wow. Hours. Yeah, it's already four. Sorry, o'clock. it's past four. Was, uh, Sorry, it was awesome. I enjoyed it. That was a fun one. You gonna move here? Uh, I'm definitely considering it. Okay. <laughs> I don't like to be a follower. You You're know? not a follower. I'm a so, follower. It feels so lame. No. Why? Because I got here first? No, no. Just because I'm generally, everybody's leaving and I'm right. generally, but and I want here. out. Don't be stupid. I just don't know where I want to go. But it's better here. Maybe I'll go to Idaho. That's Idaho's right. Idaho's good, but they, they'll get mad if you talk about it. Shout out to Boise. All right. Uh, Dumpster Fire. It's available. On where? YouTube. Watkins Welcome is my podcast. It's a different vibe than Dumpster Fire. A little more nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your Instagram, you don't use. And Twitter, at Bridget Fetacy. We use Twitter a lot. I love Twitter. Uh, Twitter loves you. Thank you, Bridget. I love you, too. I You're love awesome. you. Thank you for Thanks having me. Thanks for being me. here. I so enjoy it, as always. Bye, everybody. Bye.